ops, and a little bit of paranoia. Welcome to the Iron Sysadmin Podcast. All right, let's try this again. Welcome, hopefully, to tonight's episode of the Iron Sysadmin Podcast, take number two. All right, guests guests and co-hosts. Let's have an audio test. Can people hear you now? Public take number two. This is about take 27. <laughs> You're probably right. <laughs> All How right. do we do, J-Scar? Yeah, let's going? let's hear from the oh. folks. Hey, there's there's audio of guests in the in the stream now. Awesome. Yeah. I'm, I'm so Here. happy. He hears so... me. That's the important part. Well, that is right. that's totally the important part. All right. Let so it the... go. Let it go. <laughs> you can hear the podcast now. <laughs> okay, I think we can actually start a show. So, <laughs> we haven't done intros or anything in this in this iteration of the stream, so let's go ahead and do that. I'm your host, Nate, for tonight's episode of the show. I'm joined by Uncle Mark and Jason. Welcome and our to Groundhog Day. Uh, right, welcome to Groundhog Day. And our guest, who's going to talk about home automation and a few other things, Avery. Hey. Avery. Yay. Whatever. How's it going? So I have one very important thing that I want to cover now that we actually have the stream working. Avri, if you listened to, la- to our last show, you may have heard Jason think that I did not know how many letters were in your name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't. I'm still behind on my podcast. He swore. Uh, see? It was he four. swore that four letters was not correct, and there are. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> There yeah, are well. four lights. All right. So what I need to do now, hopefully this doesn't break anything, because I need to pull my show notes, show notes. out yeah. of that page and over to here. Oh, you're playing with fire, dude. I am, but I, I got it done. It's done. It, it happened. You guys can all still hear us, right? What? <laughs> Say it again. Oh, my gosh. What a night. What a night. This is the fun. Oh, what a night. This is the fun. So, so um, um, Jscar in chat can can actually attest to this. We we have, as part of the Red Hat Accelerators, we've got a podcasting club that we just started in the past two weeks, right? And during the, during the, the meeting we just had yesterday, where some of the accelerators were there, one of the questions they asked was, is the live stream really really worth all the extra hassle on show night when really all you have to do is record the show and you're good to go well i said the interaction was the important thing um but now obviously nights like tonight (laughs) (laughs) makes you kind of make you wonder (laughs) so what i will say is i enjoy feeding off the energy from the chats i do get a kick out of that so to me it's worth a little bit of agita you and, being and, you being the one that gets to sit at the other end and just wait for me to fix it. Yeah, but what you got to understand <laughs> is I'm German enough that it drives me nuts when we're running late. Oh yeah, yeah. And tonight we're definitely it drives late. me up we're, the wall. We're 45 minutes late. Sorry for all of that. Right. So part of me is like, ah, <laughs> which is one reason why I drink bourbon on show nights. Right. But the right. other good part is, you know, I finally got rid of this every other Friday Tam call. Because of some changes happening with with a customer, so I'm super pumped about that. So I, I'm not thinking, oh, I didn't do an agenda yet for a particular company, and I have to get up early enough and deal with the dogs and eat breakfast and then do an agenda before 9 a.m. And that's never now, fun. You don't want to have to do that. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, my job I'm hashtag blessed because I have nothing. I don't 
deal with poop or or garbage or shoveling. <laughs> that but, is a really good point. You know, or even pager still, duty, or even pager <laughs> duty. But you know. All right, so let's go ahead and get stuff started. So the 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 reason we've got Ivory on tonight is because um, he's a cool dude. Well, that that and uh, while you were screwing around some... with the podcasting, Jason and I got to know him a bit. He's a pretty good guy. Some of you may remember that we had an episode where we talked about PowerShell on Linux and. Same dude, right? You might remember that show. If you don't remember that show, you should go back. I should have looked up the episode number, but it's probably two, maybe three years ago at this point. Well, that was yeah, it seems like uh, it's been a while. It has but, been a while. Uh... It has been a while. And that show was a lot of fun. And, um, well, I mean, Avery reached out to me, and he said, I've been doing some cool stuff with Home Assistant, and I think it uh, it it totally relates to your show, and that's really all it took. <laughs> to, for me to see like yeah that's that's great because i also have an interest in home assistant because i've been tinkering with some home automation stuff on my own so this should be a fun show so um Aubrey, you want to just go ahead and tell us what you want to talk about and we'll just have yeah. a discussion from there yeah sure so um a lot of people you know uh look at home automation they go they buy a few products from amazon or and uh you know a few smart lights and uh you know uh i don't know like a nest thermostat a google home um, all kinds of stuff and they call it home automation when the way i think about home automation is is not having you know uh four different apps to turn on your lights or jumping between apps between uh like home for me at least Home automation is more about a cohesive experience, uh, and and uh, the way I look at it is is I'm not trying to change the way I turn on a light instead of flicking the switch then yelling at the lady in a in a in a box to do it for me. When I when I look at when I'm thinking about home automation, I'm thinking more about. Uh, how the 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 system can make your life easier without you actually doing anything or uh, i should say uh planning or configuring the home automation system ahead so for example uh when you walk into a room and it's uh and the sun is up then the light the light doesn't turn on but when you walk into a room and the sun is down the the light will turn on for example or uh, if everybody leaves the house, then automatically all the lights will turn off or all kinds of stuff that is, it doesn't require your interaction, but it's, uh, it is, that, that's what I consider home automation. Obviously you can tie uh, certain things like um, the Amazon lady in a tube or the, the Google lady in a tube into those things but they're not the main drive of the system. And um, another very important thing is that, um, for example, Amazon had an outage uh, not too long ago, same with Google. And then all those lady in the tubes, like if people were dependent on them for their own automation, all of a sudden their home is not very smart because they can't turn on a light because the, the, the tool that was doing that is is down and uh, so what what i consider home automation is uh, like what what i require in home automation is a few things uh so 
when the internet in your house go, goes down, your home automation still works. Um, uh, another very important thing is to not be tied to a certain vendor to support to be versatile. So you can mix and match different products, different companies, uh, mix it with your DIY stuff. And, um, and obviously I don't want to be tied to a, to a specific company. And, um, in the past, for example, I used to have uh, smart things and then Samsung bought them and then they released like a new version and like this hub that you had is all of a sudden useless because they discontinued this product. Or um, That doesn't happen. What are you talking about? Yeah, or Google <laughs> decides to decommission the, some sort of like one of the Nest APIs and then like things change. So the... The, so th this is how I came across Home Assistant. So one of the things I really like about Home Assistant is that it's it's open source. So uh, you're um, you're uh, as a, a user you have a say because if you know how to write code you can help and contribute. Uh, the other thing is that if the like the company. Um, that there's a company behind Home Assistant, so you can you can support the project by throwing a few bucks uh, their way. Uh, you can advocate like I'm doing now, tell people about it. The more people use it, the more people can contribute to it. Um, and uh, if uh, the worst case scenario and the company do, does something evil, then the project can be forked and uh, uh, and continue living on rather than you know like the big companies that were doing all these different systems and then the, the system becomes useless in your home and you and the worst part about home automation is that you start investing and you spend money it's not just the software that runs your home automation mm -hmm. if you have to change stuff all of a sudden like for example in my house I installed smart switches in in the walls in every room so now i have to turn my house down because some company decided to shut down their you know their product so that's uh how i came across home assistant so let's uh, let's let's <clears throat> dig a, just a tiny bit into home assistant so i'm familiar with the project um i don't know if mark or jason are i think jason probably is mark might be I'm um, taking a look at it. But um, basically, let's just sort of summarize what Home Assistant is to anyone who's not familiar with what Home Assistant is. Like, how do you run this thing? What sort of time investment does it take? And what the heck is it supposed to do? Yeah. So the cool thing about it is that you can run it. Uh, you can, in many ways, pick the way you run it. So the the easiest way to get started is to get a Raspberry Pi, go to their site, download the Raspberry Pi image and flash it on an SD card. And there you go. You have the home assistant system running on uh, your Raspberry Pi. It's, uh, it has uh, like a lightweight operating system and a, the software stack that runs on top of it, um, which is uh, kind of like your uh, it, it acts like a smart hub in a way. So it know, it can connect to all your smart devices. Um, it can run your automation. It can integrate with, uh, it has 
hundreds, I think of thousands of integrations of that. Uh, and, uh, and it can talk to all these different things. So instead of having four apps on your Android phone for each one of the products that you would buy, you just install the Home Assistant app connected to the you, to the Home Assistant instance that you can deploy on a Raspberry Pi. You can deploy it on in a virtual machine if you want. Um, I think they have images to all the the virtual like VirtualBox, uh, VMware, um, KVM. Like pretty much, you can run it on on like on a take an old computer that you have lying around and can install I, it can on I put that. It in a Docker container. You can run it on the <laughs> Docker container. You can uh, uh, you can uh, run it on a Python environment. Uh, they what I like to run is they uh, they have the supervised mode, which is. Uh, what I like about it is that it's more than just the uh, home assistant, let's say, application. It also allows you to run, to, in, to install uh, additional add-ons that are pretty much uh, Docker containers, but it has like a management system. So you can snapshot uh, your whole home assistant setup and then bring it to another system. So it's also has like the backup feature to it. It also, you can you can go to these add-on, like this community add-on store and pick stuff like, uh, um, like Pi-hole or uh, Bookstack or all kinds of, or for example, um, the, I, I, uh, I use Bitwarden, the open source uh, password mm -hmm. manager. So in a single click, you can, other than Raspberry Pi, the sorry, other than the Home Assistant stuff, you can run other stuff on the system. So what I That's like handy. about it is that you don't need to know Docker. You don't need to know. You just need to, you know, follow basic instructions. For example, to install on a Raspberry Pi, you get a system going. And for me, it feels like a gateway drug. It also. <laughs> It's also why I reached out to you is because a lot of the stuff you learn dealing with Home Assistant can actually make you, uh, get you into a better, to learn a lot of stuff that you can apply in the sysadmin world. Like uh, you learn stuff like you don't have to because a lot of stuff is you can do in the web UI of Home Assistant, like in the GUI, the web interface of Home Assistant. But some stuff you can configure uh, using configuration files. Those configuration files use YAML. So you you start with Home Assistant. You you do a lot of stuff with the web with the the GUI. But you can it it helps you learn technologies. It it helps you learn Docker in the back end if you want to package your own add-ons. Uh, if you if you maybe you run it on a on a supervised system and then you want to move to a Docker container, then, then you learn how to do that. Uh, it's, it's pretty much, um, and you learn like you, the more you do, like you learn a little bit about networking you learn a like by building this system, instead of buying a pre-packaged, uh, ready to go system, you learn a lot about, uh, home automation. You learn about, uh, networking a little bit. You learn, as I said, about Docker, about all these different technologies 
that then you can go and guess what? It's a lot of this stuff is applied to your workplace. Then you learn how to build a Docker container and then you go and you, you do it at work. And uh, I, I find it like a very good, it's a, it's a fun thing to do. And it also has benefits for you. Like you can save money if you design stuff in your home automation properly. Um, it's also fun. It's uh, and, and it also can help you advance your career. <clears throat> Pretty cool uh, stuff. Yeah. So um, how do you interact with this thing? Like say, like in my case, uh, and I know similar to your case, I've got a family to think about, right? So it, it's, it's simple if I, as the administrator who knows how to use this thing, can pull out my phone and operate the thing. Uh, but how does my wife do it? How do my kids interact with this if they need to, to turn on the living room lights or, or whatever? So depending, so I can tell you, like everyone has a different approach, but I can tell you what I did. So, uh, for example, my wife, from, from her perspective, this, this doesn't exist. She can go to any light in the house, flick the light and the light will turn on normally. So I installed, uh, for example, smart switches in, I replaced the regular light switches with smart switches. Those switches okay. and home and home assistant integrate with each other. So she can press any of the lights and turn on the light and turn off the light. But home assistant can also do the same thing. So for example, we have uh, night mode. So when night mode turns on, there's like a um, uh, notification and the speakers in the house. And then eventually the, the lights start dimming and eventually they, they turn off. So that so so it doesn't matter if the light is on or the light is off home assistant knows the status of the light and it can control the light but a person that comes in doesn't know how anything about home assistant can still turn on the light and use the light normally that's so, the key yeah so <laughs> so i found that so i found the 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 this sis the the way i integrated home assistant is i made it uh, complement the regular usage, but didn't prevent it. So, um, for example, um, I created uh, uh, a switch that turns on guest mode. Now it doesn't really work because we're at home all the time. But pretty much, <laughs> like, I, if I turn on guest mode, the house, the most of the function, like, I I created automation that look if this guest mode is on. And if it is, it, it stops some of the automation. So if we have guests in the house, they don't know anything about automation. Like I just turn it on and, and, and so they the don't house won't be as smart as it yeah, should. Yeah, they don't, they don't get confused um, when lights turn on by themselves and yeah. think that your house is haunted and things like that, right? Exactly, pretty much. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, so um, I, I invested in a couple just kind of on a whim because they were on sale around Black Friday. A couple of these C by GE bulbs, they're multicolored mm -hmm. and they integrate with uh, Google Assistant. And it, that worked out perfectly because I've already got Google Assistants like all over the dang house. Um, mm -hmm. I've noticed a few quirks with them and not just from the, I can't just hit the light switch and turn on the lights anymore because that does work. If I turn off this light switch over here, the lights will turn off. If I turn them back on, they'll come back on whatever color I had them set to. That's handy. Um, but it does require the Google Assistant, 
right? So mm -hmm. I had to actually buy an additional Google Assistant for our living room where I wanted to put one of these lights because, you know, I can't control them otherwise other than yeah. an app on my phone. So it started making me wonder about uh, Home Assistant. Home Assistant does apparently interact with C by GE. So mm -hmm. I may I may try that out. But the, the other thing was really, um, I'm on this like thermostat thing where I was getting Google Nest thermostats, the Nest E, which is now gone. They don't make the Nest E anymore. They now <laughs> that's make what the, Google does. Yeah, now they make yeah. another Nest thermostat that's at the same price point, but it's controlled differently. And that really, like that was kind of the last straw. It's like, I don't really want to have to invest in nothing but Nest thermostats now. I want to invest in something that I can control in some other way. That found Home Assistant, and then it reminded me that you had brought this up, because we've been talking about this for months. You brought it up yeah. quite a while ago, then you guys got sick, and then, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like a year bang, maybe yeah. at this point. <laughs> I think it was in the summer sometime when we started talking about this. But but anyway, um, so this was very relative. This is very um, related to what I have going on at home, anyway. So this is this has been a pretty good talk so far. Um, from a home assistant standpoint, so you, you already mentioned you can run this on lots of different platforms. You can interact with it either with a smartphone app, or you said you can integrate your smart boxes, whether they're Google Assistant or Alexa. Correct? Yeah. the The thing is, is that the inter to get the Home Assistant and Alexa integration, it, it, it takes a little bit, unless you pay for Nabucasa, the, the subs they have like a subscription payment. Okay. Uh, I think it's like five bucks a month. Then it's a bit harder to, to do the, like it, it's not uh, super simple to get the Home Assistant integration with those devices, just okay. like as a disclaimer. But uh, the, I think the reason behind it is because Google charge, like Google and I think Amazon, they charge some fee for, you know, when you make a, at least that's my understanding. When you make like an app, like as a, if I wanted to build a smart device and I wanted to create like an integration with Google Home, then I have to create like a development application on the Google no, side of things. And if you... That doesn't sound at all like how. Yeah, like what, what? They're gonna charge you money to use their infrastructure? It never happens. So, um, so I, I, I didn't want to jump through all these hoops. So I, I, I am like a, as a disclaimer, I am paying for the five dollars a month. But I also feel like it's, it helps further the platform, and I rather give it to a open source yeah, company I mean, than, I'm... than you know, um, uh, so. But, big, but there is, yeah, go I'm ahead. a big fan of um, if you can do a thing relatively easily for free, that's great. If you can do a thing difficultly for free and you have the time to do it, that's also great. If you can pay a small amount of money to, to save all that time, um, that's not such a bad thing, right? So I don't blame you for spending the money. If Sometimes it makes it work a for small you. amount of money can save a ridiculous ridiculous amount of time right yeah Five bucks we a were month. talking about that the other day yeah so the, oh, yeah, the, yeah. the nice thing with uh, if you pay if you pay the, the this five dollars a month one of the things you get with it is the easy integration you also get like uh like a custom it, it creates like a custom tunnel directly to your home assistant that you can turn off or turn on but you don't have to fiddle with opening the router like dealing with ports so if it's a good way to start like if you, as I said, what I like about Home Assistant is that 
you you can build it you do for example you don't even have to have any smart devices you can install home assistant on a raspberry pi and connect it to to services you already have like uh for example, there's a Raspberry Pi integration to see if somebody's uh, live on, uh, you know, on uh, Twitch. Uh, Twitch or YouTube or uh, there's a lot of integrations with web services that uh, you can use and you don't you don't need to buy any smart devices. But obviously, uh, the more like stuff you want to do sort of in the real world than like a thermostat and you have no choice to buy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also started like you. I, I, in the beginning, I would buy, you know, stuff that was on sale, stuff that I, I, now I'm, I'm, I'm buying devices that have the features that I want. For example, when I buy a light bulb, I, I buy a light bulb that has that has no cloud integration because I don't want anything reaching into my house and touching my network. And uh, that's like kind of like in our next topic. So the light bulbs I buy are Wi-Fi light bulbs. They run Tasmoda, which is an open source uh, firmware that you can run on microcontrollers. So the, for example, the Tasmoda light bulbs, um, they they use uh, they have integration with Home Assistant and that does not require any cloud. So if the internet doesn't work, my light bulbs still work, and um, and there's no there's everything is local access. Um, and 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 I replaced all my old light bulbs because I'm uh, buying stuff specifically for. That 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 ticks that ticks all the boxes that I want. And so, uh, just yeah, one one. There's a question in chat here. Speaking, of, you mentioned local access mm-hmm. and these machines, you know, because they don't have to reach out to the cloud. Um, Jscar asks, will it stay functional and running without an internet connection? So your yes. home Wi-Fi is still up, your home network is up, but your internet connection is down. Yeah, it will stay up. It happened last week, not not last week, a uh, few few weeks ago. We had they had to do like. A fix in our street and they brought everything down for a few hours I and i have i have it connected to a ups so like everything everything was still running as far as uh home assistant Good. um obviously if your wi-fi goes down or yeah like your yeah if your, your network is down then your network, network is down then then stuff is not gonna work but uh, I it, want it to work if I don't have power. Come yeah, on, yeah, you can you can pay Elon Musk a few thousand dollars and he can install the the, 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 the battery in your Elon. the power wall. Yeah, but Elon. that's Elon. Uh, it's funny because if I'm not mistaken, Home Assistant has integration with like some smart cars like Tesla and stuff. Like you can mod- you <laughs> can see awesome. you can see like your car charging stuff like that. that I've, that's awesome. I've seen people put online. But uh, back to your question, so. Um, you have you you have a lot of uh, options. So, for example, in this house I live in, the the HVAC system is uh, is not smart at all, and it uses infrared. So I um, I bought these cheap Chinese uh, infrared blasters from AliExpress for like three bucks a pop. I opened it. I'm, uh, what could I, go I, wrong? 
Yeah, and I, <laughs> I I bought ones that specifically have the ESP uh, A266 uh, microcontroller in them. Uh-huh. And um, I use I so I flashed them. There's a process to flash them with Tasmoda. So now the original software that they came with that requires you to connect it to the cloud and all that stuff is completely gone. And this thing is is local control, so I can control my AC from Home Assistant using the the these blasters. So that's pretty cool. And I have one in each room, and uh, it and it works it works very well. And um, so so uh, as as I said earlier, you can kind of build your own path. So if you feel easy, if you feel it easier to go with with something that's like prepackaged um then then you can go with that if uh, but eventually i think most people uh tend to fall on the they want like the no the 100 percent privacy no mm-hmm. they know what their devices are doing another thing you talked about thermostat so when you buy like when you plan to buy a device that doesn't talk to the cloud that doesn't have any then if you don't upgrade the device, it's continue working forever until it pretty much like there's a fault in the hardware, it stops working. So you like with, you know, with all these, um, for example, Nest devices, they reach to the cloud, they pull versions by themselves. Like you don't mm-hmm. do anything. The device is changing on you. And then all of a sudden it can stop working. They can kill APIs like you, yeah, we've seen. Those- We've the, seen the, a lot of companies like uh, TP-Link had uh, a few months ago had a, a smart plug that all of a sudden they like, oh, we're fi- we, we're uh, blocking the local access to your device. And it's pretty nasty when you buy something, you know, it has specific features. You no, buy it, it for local control yeah. and then it changes on you. Yeah. Now, I mean, um, obviously yeah, the thermostat upstairs, the SSL certs needed to be changed on it <laughs> and it won't read them from a, from an SD card. So I have a, ther- a smart thermostat that I used to be able to control with my phone. I'm in that very situation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, and, and, and like it works, but I have to, pu- I have to touch it. Like, right. And like, who wants like to do that? Sort of, and like no, some yeah, sort of friggin' barbarian. It's and, it's, and isn't this like wonderful that you bought a device that's supposed to be smart and then yeah. like it and holds you not. hostage or it stops doing so its, it's features? It's worth, um, <clears throat> it's worth noting, right? So cloud updates and whatnot are, let's be careful how to word this. They're important <laughs> in that, um, you know, you get security fixes, you get, you get, possibly new features, you get, you know, bug fixes and whatever that are automatically put on your machine, right? It's the mm-hmm. reason the Wi-Fi that I run now is updated automatically from the service that it runs from. However, it, it is that double-edged sword where they could change the way the thing works. There could be some feature that I'm depending on right now that they tweak because they think it'll be better or that they remove because they don't want to support it anymore. And all of a sudden, you know, the reasons that I bought it um, are not valid anymore because the thing changed after I bought it. Right, so it's it's not yeah. like a lawnmower where you bought the lawnmower because it cuts grass, and one day it gets an over-the-air update because grass cutting is not popular anymore. So <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and so now yeah, it just so, makes smoke or something. So here it's up to you. You want to update Home Assistant? You go ahead, update right. it. You want to update your devices running Tasmoda or whatever other thing you use? Then you, it's up to you. You can you can do it. It just 
Nobody is shoving it down your throat. And another thing to take into account here is that a lot of these devices from these IoT devices from a security standpoint is that a lot of them have additional crap that, for example, the Xiaomi, a lot of the, the Xiaomi light bulbs, smart light bulb have uh, all kinds of SSH on them, Telnet. Some of them, they forget them open. Like, can I run so, a server on it? They better have SE <laughs> Linux on them so yeah, they can't be so, blown up. Yeah, right. So, so and, and a lot of them go and they talk to the cloud. So, for example, I have, um, uh, you don't have to do this. Again, it's, it's you build your path. I have all, I have, um, I have, I use the Unify access points. All my uh, IoT devices are on their own VLAN, on their own SSID. And um, there's a firewall rule that allows them to talk to home assistant and specific ports. So um, from like, so from that standpoint, like you can also put them on all on the same network. It's up to you. You can start with one thing and then move to another. The more you learn about networking or the more, um, but so, so you don't, you don't, uh, so from a security standpoint, it's all local. So things are, are more secure. For example, I see a lot of guides, a lot of uh, people open home assistant, they go to the router and they all open it to the world. I don't think it's <laughs> a very smart thing to do. Maybe, maybe um, not. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I personally put, and, uh, by the way, in the, if you install the, the, for the home assistant supervised or the home assistant uh, version that uh, like the Raspberry Pi one um, it, it, that has the community add-on, one of the add-ons is WireGuard. So you can uh, just open the, so if you, if you run WireGuard on that system, you open the port just for WireGuard. Then you can get and to you it can, you can And then you have VPN, you can, and you that's don't handy. open the whole, you know, like more than you need, sort of. Yeah, thing. right. And that's and that's <clears throat> valid, right? Because not everybody that's going to be running this sort of a device is also got, you know, also has network security chops. Some of us do, right? You might have yeah, your own picks at home or whatever that's the, that's defending your network, or maybe you don't, right? And you need some some way to get in and manage the thing. So there was one other question, and this is a great little sure. uh, transition into something else that you mentioned in the initial outline that you gave us to talk about. Uh, Josh or Jscar is asking, um, he says, is this a good site to pick up devices from? And he puts a link in chat. Uh, or are there other sites that you can recommend? And the site that he linked is a site you provided, uh, templates.blackadder.com. So you want to talk a little bit about that and, and if that's a good place to get? I mean, you included it for a reason, right? So Yeah. So <laughs> so I talked a little bit about uh, Tasmoda. So Tasmoda uh -huh. is, the, is this uh, open source uh, firmware for... Uh, IoT devices uh, that run, I, I don't know if they added additional boards, but it's mainly the ESP uh, A266 and ESP32 uh, microcontrollers. So those microcontrollers have, it looks like this, I don't know for those looking in the live chat, is this little chip, uh, it has like a Wi-Fi antenna and this one is the ESP32. It has Wi-Fi uh, and uh, Bluetooth in it. Like this little development board costs like three bucks. Nice. Um, and uh, so the the black ad the templates.blackadder.com site 
have a, a list of devices that uh, the community identified as it's it's like a prepackaged uh, device that has uh, an ESP chip and can be flashed with Tasmora. So yeah. like so it's it's kind of like a best of both worlds. You you buy you know you buy like um, LED light or you buy a switch or you buy uh, but you replace the operating system the firmware on it. Uh, it's like with, buying a Windows laptop and putting Linux exactly on it. putting Linux on it exactly, <laughs> which is uh, uh, so so you don't have all the junk and this black box. You don't know what's happening in there. You you actually replace it. Uh, obviously, depending on the device, the difficulty. So, uh, I mean, before you buy something, you should go to the site and look what it requires. Some of them you can flash over the air with this uh, tool. Uh, there's a lot of tutorials and stuff like that online, so we're not gonna get into it how it's exactly done. Some of them require soldering. Some of them require like uh, um, a little uh, USB to serial adapter that you connect to to the some pins on the device. Um, this is more like down the rabbit hole than you know buying something re ready made. Yeah, but, but it gives um, you options, right? Yeah, so, yeah. like, if if and it doesn't look like they're on the list, but just just say, right? I bought these C by GE bulbs. Mm -hmm. Just say I could flash them. All of a sudden, the weird software glitches that I notice with these things could theoretically be wiped out, yeah. right? But it does uh, make me wonder because Lowe's is where I bought the things, and they had this these other no name bulbs there that I was hesitant to buy, and now I'm wondering, are they on this list? Because <laughs> they yeah, were like half the price. <laughs> yeah, there. So there are a lot of uh, uh, devices from known brands like Martin, Jerry, switch it, like light switches. Uh, there's there's a lot of stuff, and and depending on the device, there's like variance degree of. What you can do after you flash Tasmona on it, but um, I I have a bunch of these devices. Like I have uh, um, uh, like all the light switches that I have um, are because a lot of these companies, by the way, they're like a sticker company. So all uh -huh. most of these devices are made by Tuya, and then like you can like put the name your company name on it and say like oh it's Avri smart switch but whoever oh, yeah, makes the switch and and everything yeah. is, is is actually Tuya it's like a there's Chinese a bunch company. of manufacturers that it's, do that same thing not even yeah. in this space but all sorts of spaces where you buy the same you buy similar products from three different manufacturers and they're all the identically same product just with exactly. a different name slapped on them yeah exactly so this so this is what I did I found like the light switches that I liked and then I bought them and I flashed Tasmoda on them, but funny enough, the same lights, which is now there's a there's a company that it's it's called uh, at home or eight. Uh, I'll put it in the link in the show notes. But mm -hmm. they make they buy these devices and you can buy these devices with Tasmoda on them already, so you don't have to do any flashing if you want. Nice, uh, uh, like uh, you could buy it from I think AliExpress or something like that. But um, so yeah, so you can you yeah, there's also um, I think uh, there's another site that's like a U, uh, cloud ready something cloud ready IoT I think. Uh, you know now I'm delving into looking at uh, <clears throat> smart light switches on here. Yeah, so it's gonna uh, ruin the show if I don't stop. <laughs> 
Yeah, so there's there's a lot of devices and and obviously each device like I do a little bit of research before before I buy like before when I kind of started there were less resources so I have to do you know uh, like I didn't know this black adder sa- sa- site existed so a lot of people actually find look at devices that are getting like FCC approval and they look at the de- like the chips that are on the device and they like find these uh, like ESP um, devices from those lists so you can but this is like the the quick way to find like which devices are coming or whatever you want to, to get your start and you don't have to do all the research I, I just, yourself. I, we, we've been looking at putting a dimmer switch in one of our rooms and it just got me curious, right? This is a need I have for a switch. So I went to that Black Adder site. I found what looks to be a dimmer switch, smart switch mm-hmm. on Amazon. A two pack of these things is only 33 bucks. Yeah. That's when I was a kid, you'd just go to Eagle Hardware and buy a damn dimmer switch. Yeah, well, and you, that's and your that's ex- kid was the remote. That's exactly what we were gonna do. Well, actually, we did. We bought a switch at Lowe's, which is just a dimmer switch, and it was twenty bucks. So this yeah, is cheaper, and, and you, you know. and you can read like you can read there the like what you have to do to configure to yeah, smart I see that here. Put it's it on even there. Got, it's got uh, a template for it, and yeah, yeah and so, and stuff. sometimes like they show you if you have to. Uh, flash it. They show you like how you have to flash it and stuff flash. like that. There's, there's a lot of yeah, not that kind of flash. <laughs> not that not kind the of kind, flash. Not not the kind of flash that. Um, not the kind um, that gets you arrested. Adobe you killed uh, last year. Oh, that kind of flash. <laughs> I was thinking of a whole other kind of flash. No, I was doing uh, Flash Gordon, like the theme yeah, song right. for Flash there's, Gordon. Yeah, there's too many flashes here. Yeah. So. So. Uh, well, Josh was asking for a song, and I've been mm-hmm. letting Avery a- 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 talk, so you know. But I'm like, yeah, I'll, he keeps saying Flash, and my now brain keeps wanting to do now that. There's a song. Now there's a song. What, what I was doing is I was looking at the uh, list of different. I'm going to call them plugins. They're probably not plugins, but list of supported devices and stuff mm-hmm. that you can that you can use in, in Home Assistant. It's like, oh, my Roku. Oh, my refrigerator. <laughs> yep. Oh, my yep. Ring. And so and so the big thing, what what, what appealed to me was the idea of it being a single integrated place. Yeah, exactly. Which that, is what that, I was yeah. saying that part's uh, really earlier. Cool. Yeah. So it's it's kind of like a single place that, to to That resonated with me when you were saying that. Uh, another thing like to take to note in the in their integration, there's different types of integration. There's like uh, I think cloud, there's pull, push. So like mm-hmm. cloud is an integration that depends on the cloud. So if like the internet is down, is obviously not gonna work. If it's a sure. uh, pull, then it means that every once in a while, if I'm not mistaken, it means that every once in a while it pulls information from the device. And if it's push, then every while, once in a while, it's like asking the device. Like yeah, it should be a little more instant. It. It's just like so, the old. Yeah. The old pull email versus push email, right? I remember when yeah. that was a big thing 10, 15 years ago. Like, oh, my, my phone bings the instant I get my email now. Like, oh, that's just another, what I needed. Another cool <laughs> thing to think about is that there's different IoT technologies. So you have stuff that uses Wi-Fi, like the, all the, the smaller devices use the ESP chips that use Wi-Fi. But uh, you have Z-Wave. You have Zigbee. They're they're not exactly Wi-Fi. They're they usually have, uh, for example, the Philips Hue lights. 
they they use uh, Zigbee as the the communication protocol, and they have a hub that uh, you Is can. Is like a proprietary these radio? I, I haven't dug like, into it myself yet, but these C by GE bulbs, right? They're they're supposedly Wi-Fi. Mm -hmm. uh, they they do not require a hub. They connect directly to the Google Assistant stuff. But mm -hmm. if I go look at my router where I have all my IP leases and whatever, they're not in there. So how does that work? I don't know. Again, Maybe I haven't dug into it yet. That's it. They must be IPv6. I don't think but, they are because it would show me those two. So for for example, the Philips U, the way they work is they use Zigbee. Zigbee is like a mesh network. It's it's uh, you have devices that. Uh, and then there's there's like a hub like the that's the gateway. So for example, I have a lot of uh, um, like I have a in every room I have like a multi sensor that uh, that uh, checks temperature, humidity, uh, and if, uh, temperature, humidity, and something else. Uh, I think the pressure, the air pressure. And uh, those are battery operated, and they're they're Xiaomi devices. And they use Zigbee. So, um, so what I did is I bought this little like USB stick. Uh, I'm not sure if I put it in the in the show notes, but it's called the Combi Combi stick, Combi two stick. And uh, what it does is like a USB to Zigbee adapter, so it acts as a gateway, so to speak. That's kind of. And cool. I plugged it to my home assistant. I added it in the in the settings. And now I all of a sudden my home assistant can talk Zigbee and I can buy all these Zigbee nice. devices and I didn't have to buy so I can I can use it to talk to so uh, last week I bought a Zigbee uh, uh, smoke detector and I'm gonna put it in the kitchen and then I'm gonna it's gonna talk Zigbee and uh, and, cool. and and yeah so you can another thing is I, as I said there's no vendor lock like you can. You can start with Zigbee, and then maybe you don't like it. You go to something else. You can start with Wi-Fi. Maybe you don't. So, or so, you could do both of them. <clears throat> yeah, go ahead, Mark. So let, let me ask you something, because this is obviously always a concern for stuff like this, and I don't think we've talked about this yet. How how much of a concern is um, vendor lock in the sense that you buy devices that are like totally closed proprietary and automation assistant doesn't work with them. Uh, let me, let me, or let me put that another way. Are there any particular uh, device vendors that are bad players in this area? Like don't oh, buy, yeah. Yeah. don't buy Xenophage's <laughs> uh, smart devices. I wouldn't buy his stuff. They're totally if, locked if, down. If I'm not mistaken. So, so uh, don't do quote, don't quote me on this, but if I'm not mistaken, like last year, Belkin all of a sudden said, oh, we're going to put a subscription on all our IoT devices. So then you have like you have paperweights that unless you pay, like it's kind of like a bait and switch. You buy the device mm -hmm. uh, because think about it like this. If there's a cloud uh, component to your device, your sysadmins, you know that running servers is not cheap. Mm -hmm. They sell you a device. They can't run these servers forever. Eventually, like they either gonna charge you for it or shut the service down. So, right. 
Or it's like it's a pyramid <laughs> scheme where the pe where the yeah new like a Ponzi scheme like the new the yeah, exactly the new a Ponzi, Ponzi scheme. scheme the cloud hey. is the new Ponzi scheme I love it <laughs> um, but 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 it is like yeah, it so, took the shark a while ago yeah so hey. so Ponzi scheme so it happens it's like <laughs> it's it's every once in a while you see like in the you you see it different places but uh, like in in. Sometimes it shows up in the Home Assistant release notes where they're like, hey, we're removing this integration because the company is like locking down their they're service. They're being jerks. Uh, another yeah. cool thing is that why us, the end users, like uh, putting our weight behind uh, like uh, something like Home Assistant, they can provide feedback to those companies. So for example, I think I talked about the TP-Link lights, the, the, the TP-Link uh, plugs that removed the local access. And then there was like, a, the community started like, hey, we bought these devices and there was a feedback and eventually like they, they brought back like the way, you know, the, all nice. this negativity, the negative uh, publicity made them like reverse their thing or, or build a workaround that, or something like that. That doesn't usually happen. Yeah, it usually doesn't um, work that way. <laughs> so, All right, so this this has been an awesome conversation. We could probably go on for like three forever, hours, yeah. <laughs> um, but we're already almost at an hour, given the intro and the you know the issues we had at the beginning. Yeah. So um, I guess now's as great a time as any. You know, any final thoughts? Anything you want to wrap up? Any any last things you want to say about this this particular topic before we move on? Yes. Uh, don't everything I told you about was a sales pitch. Don't do it. It's like a <laughs> rabbit hole. Like you're going to have too much fun. You're going to spend too much money. Like you see this 3D printer that I bought. I connected it to Home Assistant and I can monitor my prints from anywhere in the world. Yeah, like, I recently got a 3D <laughs> printer myself and put up a, uh, an Octopi to connect to it. And I and, completely understand that particular and, rabbit hole. Uh, do I have it here? This one last thing like i so i printed this this bo i bought so you it depends how far you want to go i i i saw this project this wi-fi nfc reader that you buy from all this component you buy from china so i i built that up and now i have my son in his room has a little nfc reader and with diff different nfc tags and he can <laughs> do anything from and that's connected to home assistant he can turn off the lights in his room he can that's pick awesome. like his favorite songs from Spotify. He scans a, a tag, like a NFC tag, and it could pretty much do anything I want. Years ago, like you're you're speaking for... my language because <laughs> years ago I backed a Kickstarter that has this ring that I wear that has an NFC chip in it, right? And when phones moved sort of away from NFC as a general read-write thing, it became less useful. But I still wear it, but. Having readers all over the house where I can key things with my ring would be awesome. Just it sounds like the kind of a thing a supervillain would do. Right. <laughs> and uh, th those ESP, like the. Uh, by the way, this these uh, smart lights that I have are. I just bought the LED strip that's like fifteen dollars on Amazon, and I bought like a pack of these ESP A two six six boards for I think it was like two dollars each. And instead of buying, and, and I flash WLED, which is another firmware for LED lights. And um, you have like a smart light and stuff like that. So you don't, 
you don't have to put like a lot of money into this but it's a lot of fun you learn a lot and a lot awesome. of the stuff you learn you can put into use in your work it will make you i think better sysadmin um and i don't know you might like your family might rule uh, the world yeah and and, and <laughs> i can't wait to the point where i can actually build this diy project with my son because he already he's like experiencing experiencing it from like the end user point of view but it actually eventually uh, like you can use them to uh teach them like micro python or all kinds of like fun things so it's i i think it's a great um but yeah don't do it it's a gateway drug you won't be able to like <laughs> you'll, all of a you'll sudden never, you'll have like servers you won't in ever your be house able to afford and... real drugs <laughs> you'll never have yeah. free time again yeah pretty much yeah all right uh, well this has been awesome um we're gonna go to our usual break in the middle here i'm gonna get some more beer because i'm need gonna more get beer. water I like more beer. And uh, we will be back in hopefully just a few minutes. So uh, thank you guys yeah. for being patient at the words. beginning here until we until we got things running. Hopefully uh, we're not going to blow things up by going <laughs> to the waiting screen. So we'll see you in a few. All right. But if we don't see you, have a great two weeks. Yeah, right. No, no, we're not going to say that. No, I, I'm we're going to be back. I'm just being super careful. We're yeah, totally, we're, our plan is to be back. We're totally going to be back. Don't leave. No man knows the hour that we will return. Nobody, nobody leave. Are you a fan of the Iron Scissorman podcast? If you are, don't forget, you can support the show via Patreon at patreon.com slash ironscissorman. Or you can buy merchandise at teespring.com slash stores slash iron system. And thank you. All right, we're back. And I think I think everything's working. I, I hope it's I it's seem working. to have rematerialized in one piece, Captain. <laughs> <laughs> if anybody's still watching the stream, let us know if the audio went weird when we let switched or something. <laughs> let us know. Yeah. Or does I'm hyper, Nate have to start punching random buttons again? Hyper paranoid now that it's just gonna like all fall apart again. All right, so because be before I restarted, re I restarted uh, OBS, and that seemed to fix the problem. So I thought it was I don't know something weird, but it could be like having it open for a little while. It degraded, and like the Streamlabs gonna do the same thing. I, I don't know. Anyway, we're back now, and hopefully everybody can hear us. So, we're going to go through the usual part of the show where we go over announcements and whatnot. So, bear with me while I bring my notes in front of me so I can read them to people. Ah, uh, here we go. All right, so, Patreon update. We're still at the same amount as we were last time we recorded, 86 bucks a month, which is definitely appreciated from each and every one of you patrons. Um, a good cross-section of which are currently on the show. So... <laughs> So, uh, thank you to all of you. I'm going to go through the list as usual. We got Root is God. We got Bruce. We got Robert, Matt, David, Solemn. Oh, he is a patron. I got to go fix that on our Discord thing. Uh, anyway, uh, we Solemn. We got Trooper Ish. We got Linux Sys 666. We got Gimpy B, Ryan, Mark with a K, Dementor, who's right there in that little box, um, John, the nice guy, Mark with a C, who's also in a little box here, uh, Andy. Jay, who I think is also in a box here on the screen. <laughs> Charles and 22532. So thank you to each and every one of you for your patronage. You, you skipped over one. Who did I skip? Julius. Julius. 
during one of my comments. Okay, Julius, you are not forgotten. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Jason. Nor are you in a box. Nor you're, you're not in a box on the screen. <laughs> Mark but that's with a K. Okay. Yeah, I see Mark with a K is in the chat right now. Thank you for being a patron. It's awesome. So, All right. um, and that proves that people can hear us. Indeed, it does. It proves people can hear us, which is a, a great thing. Hey, Jason, I slid you a DM in Discord. See if you can open that. Slid him um, DM. Um, that um, just sounds. Um, wow. <laughs> sounds bad. Mark, Mark slid into my DMs. So uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, terrible. I'm very excited now. Wow, this is kind of awesome. Very excited. Okay. So. That actually brings us to another great thing <laughs> to uh, to discuss in our announcements. Um, so you might have heard that, like on our last show, uh, and also via Twitter because I announced it there, and our Slack workspace, and also the Matrix um, community that I have set up there. Uh, I've just we've decided to consolidate our chat community into one location, and that location is Discord. I know it is not either of the other two that we had, but Discord gives us a number of benefits, um, some really cool integrations with streaming setups like Streamlabs. Um, it's just, I think it's a it's a better, plus it's where a lot of people wanna be. Simply by announcing it, we got a ton of people joining. Uh, the Matrix community was awesome. I really wanted that platform to be where we were gonna stay because I liked the idea, I liked the concept, but if it's not where the people are, it's not a great place to run a community for something like this where we want people to interact. So we are now on Discord. And Mark will much forever... like the Little Mermaid, we want to be where the people we are. We want to be where the people are. We, yeah. And Mark will forever uh, uh, make fun of the way I say the word Discord. Right? Am I saying yeah, it right this yeah. time? You normally say Discord, Discord, where you stress the second syllable, but you're saying, yeah, I think you've been trying hard lately. Discord. It's Discord. And and it didn't end up in the show last time, but I, I uttered this thing at the end of the show, which is now a soundbite. Discord! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Yay, that's also a soundbite. Uh, and so's Homer. No! We still got Homer. <laughs> we should always have home and the creepy organ and all the usuals uh so right let me get back to the notes here so creepy musical organ i feel we need to qualify that you're pro you're right here i'm just gonna go ahead and clarify that this is what i meant <laughs> so anyway those are the announcements um right uh, there's a link in the notes for where you can get to our discord Discord! Dis Discord? Or, or Discord? Should I call it Discord? Say it like I'm from the from some weird region that has a funny accent, which, never mind. Well, anyway. <sighs> okay, and the last and final <laughs> announcement is, as usual, if you'd like to get Iron Sysadmin merch like stickers and t-shirts, or there's even coffee mugs, I think, you can do so via Teespring. You can go to ironsysadmin.com and there's a link for it on there, or just hit the link in the notes of this show. And we don't have any new reviews again, so which with this show can be a good thing. It, it, it can be, it can be a good thing. You're you you were burned that time, and now I'm still I'm still a little toasty. Now you're like nobody even a the pandemic show. later. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I remember that one, like the yeah. Oh, he remembers. Great. He remembers. <laughs> 
Everybody remembers. They all remember that the. <laughs> it's all right, Mark. Only, we love you. Our only truly negative feedback was about Mark. <laughs> That's all right. I've annoyed classier people than that guy anyway. You're probably uh. right. So, uh, Mark, you got like a cool picture in here, and I see this cool little game system behind you. You want to you want to talk about yeah. that? Yeah. I think so, you're excited about it. I am excited. So, I finally went ham. And bought a Raspberry Pi 4, and I see JSCAR is back in chat. And I have to be honest, he turned me on to this particular unit. Uh, there's a Raspberry Pi 4 in a metal case, which is Velcroed to this desk right now. Now, I've talked for years. I've used MAME before, like literally for years. Like I probably first used MAME. Uh, it was when I was still at Micro Warehouse, which would have been in the 90s. That was a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. Early 2000s uh, was my first exposure to MAME. And and I've talked about uh, maybe setting up an arcade station or something. Yeah, JSCAR turned me on in an appropriate manner. Thank you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, my God. But, um, and, you know, people build these gorgeous arcade cabinets, and, and I have no skill when it comes to building stuff, right? Like, I'm not a woodworker. Uh, and you can obviously spend some coin to buy one that somebody else made. I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to do that either. But what I can do is I can order shit on Amazon. So <laughs> the, you can see the whole thing in the picture. What I did, the desk that it's on, I bought the desk literally just for the setup. Everything in that picture I bought for the setup. So the desk was like 40 bucks. It's a small desk that you can change the height on. Uh, I bought the monitor specifically for it. The the joystick is awesome. One of one of our other fellow Red Hatters uh, bought this before I did, and he 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 said good things about it. Is the, the uh, joystick and, the, and is the pie inside of the cap? This this little box? No, the pie the pie is right here on the corner. Mm. It's but like I said, I velcroed it down so it can't be knocked off the table. Mm. The joy the joystick is its own thing and can be used on anything that supports it... USB. Oh, cool. So I'm going to do then... my best. There's a picture of this in our show notes, uh, which I think I will be able to embed in the post that goes up on ironsysadmin.com with the show notes, right. but it won't go out to the normal uh, like well, iTunes I also, and whatever. I also put it in Discord. So, Discord? you know, it's, it's, in, it's in the general Discord channel. Yeah. Discord! There's a couple of games that require a trackball. There's this old classic called Reactor that I really liked, and, and that can only really be played with a trackball, so I got a trackball as well. So so basically, I forced myself to have a setup that's dedicated hardware for this so that I'll use it. Now, I didn't know this when I started using RetroPie, which is the distro that I, that I selected. It'll do the Apple as well. That's pretty and cool. The Apple, yeah, and the Apple was... The first computer I've talked about it before that I that I ever used. So, all, what I what I've also been doing there is I have been collecting all those classic Apple II games that I used to play when I was a kid. That's awesome. So here I am. I'm booting DOS three three, the original yeah. DOS. Yeah, <laughs> loading integer onto language card. And if that if you're like, what the hell is this old guy talking about? Then you're too young. You don't get it, and you probably won't. Another question like, is do you have any was, Apple II uh, games that you coded back in the day that can still oh, run on this thing? <laughs> I do not have any of those because those have been lost to time. <laughs> and is, but that a, I do, is that a good thing? But I have a couple of my <laughs> favorites 
including the original wizardry, including Apple track. Apple track was amazing. And I had an epiphany because I couldn't remember how to list a disc in Apple DOS. And I'm lying in bed the other night. And I'm like, that's right. Catalog. That's that's the LS or the DIR for Apple DOS. Nice. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. So run hello. And that'll start up Apple Trek, which is, again, loading integer into the language card. There's a whole story behind that. And then this is this Star Trek game. My dad, his best friend and I spent many hours killing Klingons, self-destruct password fish. And then you go around and you fight Klingons. And it's got these cool sound effects with photon torpedoes and phasers. <laughs> it's it's just it's so baller. That's pretty cool. It looks oh, like yeah. ASCII art. It well, is it, ASCII. It, yeah, this is what it's all text. <laughs> this was this was the height of technology in 1978. It it will do graphics, although those are a little on the Apple. The graphics are a little crazy. Does it does it emulate any of the Atari computers? Does it emulate any of the Atari oh, computers? Well. Well, it does. The only emulator that I've got for the for the Atari right now is the 2600. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so here is... I got my favorites. Josh and I were messing with this. He added a bunch of emulators. I, so here's a, here's a classic one. And I've been scraping all the box art for various for various games because that's fun too. Well, yeah, you need the box art. So here is Adventure, which I don't know if any of you ever played Adventure. <laughs> I haven't, but it was it was like a, a main theme in a uh, in a book I, I read. Yeah, this is the one with the dragons that look very much like ducks. Yes, yes. And a they, sword that's an oops, I just killed the duck who's a dragon. I yeah. have to say, this is this is this kind of stuff is why I hope. Uh, game streaming will never succeed because like we can still play we 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 can still have like archives we can still play games from years and years ago and they're not like on on whole like the files are not on some cloud service that are gonna be shut down eventually eventually go away yeah 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 Yeah. and and what's neat when you play some of these games some of the arcade games or some of the other games you know, again, I don't mean to sound like an old guy, but you run into games where the gameplay had to be king because the graphics were terrible yes. or, or other things else. Yes. And and so I've got very fond memories of a lot of these old school games. So so yeah, the, now nowadays it's really easy to take a terrible story and wrap it in awesome graphics and everyone raves about it. <clears throat> it, well, it, it is. And there are some forget. there are some great current games. Let's not forget it was easy to do back then too. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. ET yeah. anyone? I yeah, I had yeah I can ET. I, 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 I showed my son one. Josh ET. <laughs> There's still a landfill somewhere with like 85 and... billion of those cartridges in it, isn't there? <laughs> yeah. yes. There is. That that's actually a true story. I know. But <laughs> but Josh was being driven crazy by by the by falling into the pit, which is one of the bit, poor design decisions of ET. And I tried to explain to him, Josh, you gotta you gotta get a sense of perspective on this. That game was so many kids looked forward to getting that. That was like their big Christmas present that that year, and it was so friggin' bad. Like imagine that was your big Christmas gift, and it was just and, horrible. And you're playing that turd on Christmas Day. 
that game was that game was built in a couple weeks. But you know what? You're wow. yeah, you're the the bar was so low. Everything was awesome. Like if you managed to that get that wasn't a game, awesome though. Even even when the bar was that low, that game was <laughs> yeah. not received well. No, it was not. Well, they some, also they some also blame that on it. for destroying the industry. Yeah. Well, they, they were they bet they bet really big on it. They they actually produced more cartridges of ET than there were Ataris in the world. Yeah, they that did. was not a good economic decision. You, you're probably no, right. You're no. probably right. <laughs> No, no, no. They they, they tanked that, themselves that on that. A, that and was... the majority of them just went to a landfill. Yeah. Because they had to destroy that them a... so they could take the, the hit on taxes. And nobody is sad. Like, no, no one's... I <laughs> no mean, one there's sad. Somebody somewhere is sad that there is it a was pile a big waste of, of microchips and plastic laying they're in probably a landfill. Like, <laughs> they're probably extremely rare right now. And if, like, you're... Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Not... Everybody yeah, hated so, this game, but somebody somewhere is willing to pay $32,000 for a cartridge. <laughs> but uh, so I've spent the past week or so uh, fi like finding the old arcade games I spent way too much money on in the 80s, uh, going through the Atari cartridges. I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that one. Totally legally, and, I'm and, sure. And, right? and, app and the Apple II stuff. Well, you know, so that's... That that's a really great discussion. I think it really is. And the you and I talked the... talked about it just a bit. And I'm I don't want to I don't want to cut you off, but I I am thinking that maybe we make a topic about that and your your backup conundrum. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do its own show. Yeah, I think we do that because we could totally talk about that for an hour. Emulation, <laughs> classic gaming. Yeah abandoned wear and i think jason would be great because i know he, he dips his toes in this yeah. so let's make that its own show yeah, the maybe. other thing on the other side of technology and jason already cursed me about this mm -hmm. valve index my eyes yeah there you i go. i couldn't read the gauges on the cessna 172 the, the glass terrible, cockpits and stuff in, in flights in 2020 so I, I'm just like, yeah, I'm done. So I upgraded yeah. my OG Vive to an index. First world problem. Because yeah. you can just drop the headset in and use the same hardware. Because yeah, Flight on, Simulator 2020 is amazing. On the bright side, I'm getting a great deal on a Vive headset as long as he I is get all the other supporting deal. hardware. <laughs> he is getting a great deal. He's paying, as my dad would say, he's paying the right price for it. Yeah. So, uh, nice. You don't want an Oculus? You only need a Facebook account to use it. <laughs> totally, totally. I would totally do just, that. I would totally to... link VR to Facebook. <laughs> his date values his, you know, what what price freedom and privacy? Yeah, just give away your privacy. That's not a big deal. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. That, so, what 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 wrong would they possibly do with that data? What, what privacy? Yeah, none of us have that anymore. I don't. I, as hard <laughs> as as hard as some of us try, I think it's gone. It's just, uh, it's I've, gone. Given, I've, <laughs> I've given up. And if you follow me on Facebook, you'll see that on, on Flight Simulator, I'm doing a simulated trip from Allentown to Florida. Oh, that's cool. Uh, which is where my uncle used to hang out. And I stopped in D.C. to pick up my sister and her dog and picked up my dad first in New Jersey. So I put their weight in the simulator. So it's fun. And I'm doing it legit, like with the real weather and stuff. And right now we're holed up in Duck, North Carolina for a couple of days because the weather turned bad. So I, I, tomorrow, if all goes well, I'll fly from Duck to uh, Charleston, South Carolina. This is crazy. You should come to, to here, to Emea. 
There you go. Uh, Why there? I, I don't. I so don't think a Cessna I, the, will the, make the it Atlantic there. Ocean Probably is not. death for a Cessna. <laughs> but I could. Sh- the thing about simula- Flight Simulator 2020, you literally can go anywhere in the world. Like <laughs> they cool. have, the, they use Bing to generate the entire friggin' yeah, planet, yeah, yeah. And, and then they have, as, they do some custom work. As long as the Excel spreadsheet had the right numbers in it when they imported it, yes, things won't look completely yes, there it. was a fascinating, <laughs> that was a very funny bug about that. Two of them. So I could, I could come and watch Deichel in in Israel <laughs> if I wanted to. The yeah, funny yeah. thing about Excel and flight sims, does anybody remember remember Excel ninety seven? And the and the was it ninety seven? The there was an Easter egg. What's an Easter egg? There was an Easter egg in Excel ninety seven where if you went to a certain cell and put in a certain formula, and I forget what it was, it was like XL ninety seven or something like that was the the uh, the, the cell you had to go to, uh, and you I forget what you put in there, but it would literally there was embedded in in Excel this like weird three D world flight sim. It wasn't a good one, but it was there. No, because they it burned code in Excel, so they had to they couldn't yeah. make it a full feature. But so so Flight Simulator 2020 is the other big thing I've been playing with lately. And Star Wars Squadrons, by the way, as good as it was on the Vive, on the Index, it's stellar. I I can't say enough good things about the Index. It's just an amazing <laughs> headset. Well worth it. So I don't have a whole lot of cool things going on, except that uh, I think I talked about on my last or on our last show. Uh, that I was waiting on an Aeron chair, a refurbished Aeron. Maybe I was just talking to you guys about it. I forget if it was on the show or not. Well, That's I more finally... expensive than the Index, I think. It could Aeron be. Chair. Well, yes, if you buy one new. This one's refurbished. Okay. Um, but even refurbished, it was like 600 bucks. It's more than the headset was. Okay, then. So anyway, um, I went through a very like long and involved... Basically, I ordered it and waited forever... Um, and the company never shipped, so I had to cancel that order, and I went nope. to a different company, and it shipped in like a day, and I got it three days later. So I now have my nicely refurbished Aeron chair, and it's, it's I mean, when I unboxed the thing and set it up, it's like new. It is, there may be a few things that, a few bits of fit and polish that aren't quite perfect because it is refurbished, but everything I remember about the Aeron that I had when I was still working at higher ed this thing is identical. It feels like a brand new chair. So, I've heard great. good things about them. Yeah, they have, I'm, those, I'm at the, very they happy. have those at Red Hat Tower, I think. I've sat in them I, there. I, I love my Aeron. I, it just, it's one of the first things I got when I got my new office. Yeah, it's great. And and the, the thing that I love, and this is like a silly thing to love about a $600 chair, is the fact that I can actually adjust the armrests to the point where my arms sit at a great angle to type on the new keyboard that I got, right? So... Yes, there's other chairs that have adjustable armrests, but this one has the whole package, right? It's comfortable, it's mesh, so you don't, like, sweat sitting in the damn chair. The mm-hmm. recline is at just the right angle. Uh, it's fully adjustable. It's a, it's a great, great chair. If you, are, if you have a cheap chair and you don't mind spending money on a chair you're going to sit in for, you know, 16 hours a day or however much time yeah, you spend on Especially now with the work from home thing yes. is like a must. Yeah, so oh, I mean, face it, nerds always spend sixteen hours a day in their chairs. Oh yeah, come on. Well, that's the thing, right? I didn't say yeah. eight hours. My job Not is eight hours. Pandemic. My job is eight hours, and I spend at least another six to seven hours a day at this very desk, either working on creative projects like this podcast, or playing video games, or just googling Ugh. stuff, or whatever. Right? I'm at this thing all the time, so it's it's important to have a good chair. 
Yeah, so 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 lest our lest our listeners think that we're just rolling in dough, um, I know I saved for my chair for a very long time before I was able. Oh yeah, um, and I think I think Nate did the same thing. Red so. Hat paid for half of this, and the other half was money I had saved up for it. Yeah. So, and there's a reason I didn't buy a brand new one. A brand new one is like twelve hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this one was half the Damn. price, right? So yeah, I was no way no way I was gonna. I mean, I could have saved longer and got a brand new one, but. Um, yeah, I, no, I didn't I'm, want to I'm wait one of that those. I, I I don't like refurbs, so I I, I bought my new. But oh, I believe me, for... I was worried. I was worried about yeah. it, um, but I am very pleased. I got it from Crandall Seating. No, Crandall Office. Crandall Office is the company that I got it from, and they have a lot of other brands out there, and I highly recommend them because this thing is in great quality and it shipped super fast. I don't know if I was just lucky; they had them in stock. But the other one I ordered from was a place called Madison Seating. And after I ordered it and waited so six fast. weeks and never got anything, they never even charged me, right? Because they said they didn't have them in stock or whatever. I started doing some reading on like the Better Business Bureau and whatnot, and I kept finding all these terrible reviews, which I should have done before I ordered the damn thing. So I ended up canceling the order, and luckily they didn't give me some crazy runaround. They just said, yep, okay, let's cancel. And uh, I ordered from the other place and got it like perfect, so... So read reviews before you order. Yes, Got before it. you spend $600 on an office chair, read the reviews of the place you're ordering it from. I don't know why I didn't do that. Yeah, and, and in general, like if you are a person who spends a lot of time in front of a computer, spending a a decent amount of money for a good chair is a worthy investment since your yeah. body is what you're you're protecting. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it's important. I mean, I... I think I also mentioned this. I was having some wrist and arm forearm problems. And I'm not going to say that the chair and the keyboard, because I bought the, the ergonomic keyboard, I'm not going to say they 100% solved the problem, but it's definitely better. Like just switching Wait, from a, you, a straight you keyboard. Got those, you got a crooked keyboard? I got a Kinesis Gaming. It's a split keyboard with uh, tent uh, stands. No, thank you. You don't like them? <laughs> Uh, I didn't think I was gonna like it either, but man, it is so comfortable. Like, like they need to be like. It is so. It is so comfortable to type on. I I don't like them either. In fact, years and years and years ago, I used one of those Microsoft ergonomic keyboards, which are one of the highest rated keyboard rated ergonomic keyboards out there. They've been around forever. Yeah. Well, you might think right from you, you say they're worse. I hated it, and I didn't want to use it anymore. I went back to a straight keyboard. And I thought I was going to have the same problem when I did this, but I would bite the bullet and say, fine, well, I want to protect I... my wrists and whatever, and I'll use the thing. And I got to say, I do not regret it at all. It's perfect. I have I have used ergonomic keyboards. I've used a whole bunch of different types of them. I, I just cannot, I can't stand them. They drive me nuts. Yeah, it's, uh, it, so if you're, I, it, like, it, if, if it works, like, the muscle, like, I, I find it hard, too, because of muscle memory. Like, yeah. when I... When I moved back to Israel, a lot of the keyboards here have like the the enter that's like that's instead of like a, like a shift, it it goes up. It's like the European version, mm, and I okay. kept asking, uh, I, like I kept nagging like the the the. the the facilities to replace my keyboard because I couldn't use it. I kept pressing like I I wanted to press shift and I kept pressing enter. It's like it's driving me bonkers. But yeah, no, I can understand you, that. It's, uh... That couldn't possibly go wrong. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah, but... no, the uh, I I'm very picky about keyboards to so the to the point where the keyboard I had before, I bought three of them because 
when they would wear out or they went bad, yeah. I would replace it with the exact same keyboard because I liked it so much. And I thought I was going to hate switching, but I decided to do it because of the problems I was having. And, you know, it took a little a bit to get used to. A pain in your hands is uh, more important than... Yeah, the... yeah. So the... the um, uh, the hardest thing I... The biggest problem I have with the new keyboard is typing my passwords. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm great. Like, I can type a novel on this thing, and it's great. But when I go to type my passwords, because, you know, there's letters in them, and you get, there's muscle memory to passwords, when, the ones you have to type anyway. Um, that's the biggest thing. I have something. to stop and think about them. So anyway, that's kind of what's, oh, and I got a new arm for my mic, which, whatever, if you care about that. It's nice and <laughs> quiet now. I can I move. Care. I can move the mic, and all you hear is, like, a slight bit of friction. Maybe you can't even hear it at all through the through the show but uh yeah it's so Stop, much it's so loud it's Ow. so much quieter and i can like you can still hear when i touch the desk but with the old arm which had those springs on it you'd hear like every time i'd touch the desk or bump into the thing is it's so much nicer now <laughs> it's probably the same arm you have jason because you and i bought it yeah, at the same it time is. when we set up we first started the show yeah. but you, you had i'm sure you had the same problem if you touched that thing you just like it would echo for Two minutes. <laughs> but look, we all my my woes of of uh, microphones are well documented throughout the course. Of yes, the yes, Iron they are. Podcast. The Iron um, Min documentary. I, I would like to take this opportunity to point out that all every single problem that was had today was mine. Had nothing at all Absolutely. to do with me. And you got a new mic. You want to talk about that? And you you also have your own retro gaming system. You want to talk about that? <laughs> yeah, so here's my retro gaming system. Uh, it's in this box. It's probably also the same a Pi box 4. Mark has. It no, well I don't know. Uh, probably not. So this is a Pi Four with a, a hat on it. For, um, it's a. Oh, you got one of the uh, audio uh, hats. It is slightly RCA, different. Yeah. Audio, the the high DAC. Mine's just audio, HDMI. Whatever it is, yeah. Um, so I built I built a cabinet a while ago. I've talked about this on the show before. Um, so I just I just went through getting graphics for it, putting the graphics on. Uh, and then, um, <laughs> so putting the graphics on the side runs into a problem where the, how do you put it on there without it peeling off? Cause it's just a, it's just a vinyl sticker. So I decided I'll, I'll bite the bullet and I'll put the T molding on it. Um, and I've learned, uh, very rapidly that, um, the type of, router bit that you buy is extremely important because mine warped in about half a second and I didn't know it. So my, my yeah. molding kind of went like this. Uh, so, so I've, I've, I've sort of fixed it, um, with lots and lots and lots and lots of glue. Um, which I, apparently I'm not a real gamer because that's a thing that you're not supposed to put team molding in with glue. I should have done something else, but whatever. How does that make so you that's a gamer? All done now? Um, <laughs> That's that's all done now. It looks actually looks pretty nice. Uh, so I just have to put the guts back in it, and I'm off to the races. So I'm I'm pretty happy about Fantastic. that. Fantastic. And and yes, I I have no idea if this is gonna make noise, but I bought a new microphone. Uh, I got a Yeti. Um, it's a Yeti Nano. I was actually looking at uh, the larger Yeti. Um, uh, I forget which one it was, but the the bigger one. It's got like a whole bunch of different signal types and. Uh, and I saw the Yeti, and I was reading reviews. Um, the Elgato had come out with a new a new mic, 
that looked really cool and was supposed to be, you know, had been getting high reviews. And I went and looked it up and I, I started reading the reviews about it. And they said, yeah, it's a great mic. It's, it's great for podcasts. It's completely awesome. The only problem is it's made of plastic. Um, and for the cost of it, I didn't want a piece of plastic. So I, I looked around a little bit more and they mentioned the, the Yeti Nano, which is like, I don't know. I, I think I could beat somebody to death with this. Um, <laughs> it's, it's like made out of steel. Um, and it's really, really nice. And I think, it, I mean, you'll, you'll tell me whether or not, but I think it sounds better than the microphone I had been using. It does. It does sound better. It's also closer to you, though, and that was one of the biggest things I always fought you with, <laughs> was is, that you had your, well, your mic mounted in a weird place. It's not necessarily closer. It's the same distance away. Don't be it's, judging a man. The other mic. mic was sort of above me a little bit. This one's sort of in front of me. But I think even with this one, if I put it on the stand and, and let it hang like it was, I think this one will sound a lot better. It may. The, yeah. the I mean, patterns we, that it does. We that can it certainly does. try that. But yeah, the uh, the mic I picked up a couple months back, the the pod mic, is this thing is heavy. I mean, I don't know what it's made out of, but it is same deal, right? It is. It feels yeah. like you could hurt somebody with this mic. <laughs> it feels quality, which I think is the way a microphone is supposed to be. Totally <laughs> should. I mean, so I'm, it's good for audio and home defense. Yeah, I'm I'm yes. picturing those. You know, like when you're at an arena and they they lower that mic down from the rafters. That's like metal and big, and you, it looks like you could just like. Now I got the guy in the boxing ring in my head. Right, right. That's exactly the. That's exactly in what I'm talking about. In this corner. Now you yeah. just need the monitor back in the day. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah, back when when if you wanted a 21 inch display, the hernia was included. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> So, uh, Jason, if you want to put a link to the mic you bought, I just put a, a, a slug in the show notes there for uh, you if you want to. Now I got to do work. I mean, if you don't want to, that's fine. I'll just put new mic and people can wonder. But uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a blue something, you could just say. It's a, it's a, it's, 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 it, it sounds like it came blue, from the blue snow Yeti regions. Blue Yeti Nano. Blue Yeti Nano. I will type that. and People can search hey. for it if they want to. I, I uh, Jason, it, I was it, it you who was talking about that book series with the laundry files? by the way the laundry files no that uh, was charles i think that was oh, charles, charles yeah. okay i've heard this i've okay, heard this as well but yeah all right because i started reading the first book and it's pretty cool but that's a total that i just totally teenaged girl to everybody you know came from out of nowhere completely that's, off topic wow completely off topic too. That, i don't know how that would come from you i like turtles yeah i like so. turtles <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, aside from all your home automation stuff, do you have anything cool going on, Avery, you want to, you want to chat about? Or should we move along into the news? Uh, anything cool you want to chat about? Would, you don't have to. Is, don't the, I have a Pi, too. I think I, I, uh, we talked about it in the pre, pre-show. But this yeah. is a Raspberry Pi Zero, and I bought, there's a, a HDMI input. For it, well, that's cool. Uh, and uh, I've installed a, a, I don't know what to call it a distro, but I uh, there's a it, it's called Pi KVM, Pi KVM org, mm. right? And uh, when you install it on one of those things, you you can plug in like your server and uh, and uh, you the micro USB to the back of your server or computer. 
and it uh, pretty much turns it into a IPKVM. You have a web like you can go to an IP on your network and control your server and stuff like that. Huzzah! If you, if you mix it with um, with a smart plug, then you can even pull the power in your machine and and like turn it off and on. That's cool. It's really cool for so I started building this for one of my uh, virtualization servers here at home. That's pretty nice. cool. So, it's so pretty your own little nice. KVM. And it's, uh, I... Yeah, and for it's a uh, yeah, it's an IPK VM. I spend about I don't know forty bucks on it. What do you use as uh, virtualization servers at home? Just out of curiosity. Uh, KVM, Linux KVM. But so, not, but not that KVM. The other KVM. The, That's yeah. the kernel virtual machine, not the <laughs> exactly. keyboard, video, and mouse. Exactly. No, no, I, I get no. Or so are you using Overt, the upstream Overt project? Uh, I think it's Libvirt. He's just using okay, Libvirt. Libvirt. Yeah, yeah. Okay. playing old Linux box with KVM. Yeah. Okay. I also, Perfect. I also That's have how I got one. Started. I also have one machine running uh, VMware ASXi, or mm. like. I'm sorry to hear uh, that. Yeah, I don't know. It's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> But um, I use it for for like experimentation. Certain stuff. I have everything here, pretty much. I have domain controllers. Yeah. I have uh, Linux, Windows, all kinds of weird stuff. But uh, yeah, it's like a home lab to learn to experiment. I even have uh, uh, CentOS eight streams. Um. Good, because we're gonna talk about that in the streaming. <laughs> yeah, see, like it's uh, I I set up a transition for you guys. Perfect, perfect <laughs> transition. So uh, speaking of transitions, I think we'll go ahead and hit that purple button. Oh wait, I gotta get to the right panel on the soundboard here. Here, here yes, it is. Press the button. All right, so we have um, a shorter than usual set of news today, but the first article might take up a little bit of time. Not quite like last episode, where we went into a pretty heated discussion about free speech online and <laughs> all kinds of nasty things. That It was a tense week. It was a tense week. It was a tense week. So the news is a little more lighthearted, except we do have one article about CentOS. So... <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. This article is from the Register. Um, th there is a silver lining in this one, and we'll get to that in the second news article. Uh, so Brian Exelbeard, Exelbeard, Exelbeard. I think that's how you pronounce it. He goes that. by Bex. That's his like handle, Bex. Bex. Okay. B X. So uh, we did at least a very small amount of digging because we don't want to be like all weird and creeping on this guy. But Internet he is stalking. He, he is a, a Red Hat employee. He's the community business owner and RHEL product manager, senior principal product marketing manager at Red Hat. So uh, he's got a little bit of cred behind him as far as, uh, you know, what he knows and why he's talking about CentOS because the Register reports, and this is a, such a clickbaity title even when you read the article but i'm going to read it anyway because can, can it's the i title just throw a article. flag on the field by the way you can do that go ahead the register the register is the national inquirer of the tech industry you got a point so, so but somehow they got an interview somehow yeah. they got an interview with brian exelbeard so um 
Right, so the killing of Centos Linux, which it's not really being killed, I'm sorry. Uh, the Centos, from outer space killed Centos. Yeah, the Centos board yeah. doesn't get to decide what Red Hat engineering teams do. And then the subheading is Brian Exelbeard, uh, Red Hat liaison, and Centos board member gives the company perspective. Now, um, I'll paraphrase a little bit. This article is uh, basically, there's a lot of quotes in here from Brian. And what it really comes down to is there's, so there's a lot of accusations flying around. Uh, did Red Hat do this intentionally to try to force people into RHEL? Uh, no. Why was it done? Yeah, right. The answer is no. Uh, why, why did this happen? Why does Red Hat get to decide the direction of CentOS? We're not, um, uh, although we kind of do. But, um, and I say we, I'm not speaking for Red Hat here. I probably shouldn't say we, but Red Hat doesn't. Um, so here's, here's the deal. Red Hat employees, software developers, engineers, right? We call them engineers, as it many people might. Uh, those engineers are then given tasks to work in certain communities for software that Red Hat then repackages and sells. RHEL is one of those things, comes from Fedora. Uh, OpenStack comes from an upstream community. OpenShift comes from an upstream community. Satellite comes from an upstream... They all come from upstream communities. And we basically pay software developers to work in those communities and to help develop those platforms. Now, uh, that doesn't mean that we get control over those communities. It doesn't mean that Red Hat gets control over those communities. It means that uh, we get... We sort of we get leverage in those communities, but that's not intentional, right? It's 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 Red Hat gets the focus on the, the the things that are important to Red Hat, and if the community can't survive without that support, you know it's it's an unfortunate side effect, right? So Mark, feel free to fill in here if you think I'm floundering, I, but I'm going to jump I'm in. I'm just not letting Red you Hat talk. Guy. Yeah, I'm going to jump yeah, in as the not. I feel Red Hat we guy. need a non-Red Hat voice in the so, jump in as the not Red Hat guy. I'm going to jump in this way. Red Hat, for all intensive purposes, I know there's there's all sorts of stupid businessy crap associated with this, but for all intensive purposes, Red Hat owns CentOS. And as far as I am concerned, yes, I mean, Red Hat should be prioritizing their engineers to do Red Hat things because, well, it's Red Hat. Um, but I think what from my perspective, what has happened is Red Hat has basically said, yeah, we're not going to give you people who work for us to do anything CentOS-wise, and we're just going to change the direction, and by the way, we own it, and we can do that. Now, good or bad, I mean, there there are positives to, I think, positives to moving to streams. Um, uh, you know, Mark pointed one out previously, which is that, you know, since it's getting patches slightly ahead of where Red Hat is getting them, and it's sort of a testing ground for Red Hat. I guess that's that is a positive for people that have been using CentOS as a drop-in replacement for RHEL. Um, and yes, it's not a hundred percent, but it's close enough. Um, that's a problem because now it's no longer really a drop-in replacement for RHEL. So, without being a Red Hat person and not knowing what's going on inside, I think at the higher echelon. Red Hat killed this, and I think they did it on purpose. Um, and they can do that. That's They own it, they can do what they want with it, and that's fine. Um, I think that this may not go in the direction they want it to, 
Um, I think people are going to move away from Red Hat because of this, but that's the that's sort of the the dice they've cast, and they're going to see what happens. Uh, can can I can I also say something? As, sure. Uh, uh, the company I work for, we manage. We have like thousands of Red Hat servers, and we also have thousands of of CentOS servers for different cases. So I think. Uh, I mean, I understand why Red Hat is doing this because their engineers they they pay their engineers. They have uh, and obviously CentOS didn't you know wasn't profitable it didn't make any money and the people who weren't that you were using centos most likely would not pay for for red hat because they use centos so it makes i understand why they're they're doing it um it's it's just uh i think if the if the order of the way things happened uh if if it happened in reverse for example the the um the uh, the the up uh, being able to use Red Hat Enterprise Linux for up to sixteen servers, I think it's now, or it started with ten or something. So I think if we started with that news, and then it would be easier to swallow the switch to streams. I think if the order was reverse, um, but I I I I. I I I mean it makes sense I understand why they did it I'm I mean but it's it's also a little bit unfortunate you you for people that use the free alternative there wasn't really an alternative um they're going to have to I, I they're going to have to find another another home I guess but I also understand why Red Hat is doing what they're doing obviously it's it wasn't a profitable so uh, so I don't can, think can, like this the article actually goes into this. There's there's quotes in here that say that it wasn't about profit. Like it, you're right. I mean, CentOS is not profitable to Red Hat, right? That flat flat out. Like that's obvious, mm-hmm. right? But uh, that wasn't why it was done. And in fact, there was a published um, email address that you can contact Red Hat about, uh, like if you're floundering for an mm-hmm. alternative. And a lot of people accused Red Hat of, oh, well, that just goes to your sales and marketing team and they're going to try to sell no, us rel. And that's not the case. Like, that's also covered in this article. And this is all public information. This isn't stuff that I've gotten from internal sources. Mark, you were trying to say something if you want to go ahead and talk. So, yeah, I'm going to try not to sound like I'm going to try to, to be nice about this. <laughs> um, nice, nice, Mark, is always better. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I can be nice about this. Um, for if companies were running hundreds of copies of CentOS in production and never had any intention of paying for a Linux and never contributed anything back, and now they're screwed because of this, I have no sympathy for them because that was always a risky proposition. And we that was actually something that we would point out to potential Red Hat customers hey, you're you're running your money making business on what's essentially a community build and if that community build stops if, if they get if they stop that project or whatever you're screwed and the reality of the situation is CentOS was struggling when we bought it it was not doing so great back when red hat first took them over red hat arguably saved them i think red hat should not have bought them that's my personal opinion. I don't speak as a red hatter because we got ourselves into a situation where suddenly we're putting 
time and money into something and we're not getting a benefit. And like it or not, we've always been a publicly traded company. We used to be on our own. Now we're part of a larger publicly traded company. So, so yeah, we have to, we have a finite amount of resources. As a technical account manager, I have large customers that pay a very nice amount of money for my services. And I have insight into how we make the sausage at Red Hat. There are only a finite number of engineering hours a week. And it's up to me to help try and get my customers' voices heard. So when I look at our finite engineering teams, they have a lot of friggin' work they still need to do on all of our products that actually do get, get that people pay us for already. So, so having them spend their time that Red Hat is paying for on CentOS when it was arguably not working the way an open source project is supposed to work was a bad investment. So let's talk about that for a second. We sponsor Fedora. Fedora is owned by the community. Stuff that happens in Fedora, we take that and we turn it into Red Hat Enterprise Linux, and then we give all those changes back to the upstream. But it's a it's the circle of life <laughs> because of where CentOS falls into that. CentOS is a downstream rebuild, so stuff that got changed in CentOS or whatever was never making it was never that that code. If someone fixed bugs in CentOS, it was never making it back upstream. And, and and so it was a very one-way relationship. Now, Avery, you and I were talking a little bit before we went live. And mm -hmm. your company, you said you've got a lot of RHEL. Thank you very much <laughs> for, for, for buying RHEL. And you've got a lot of CentOS used for development. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the free mm -hmm. offerings we're talking about is organization-wide free rev for development teams. So that instead of developing on Cento on CentOS, you could develop on real rel and still not have to pay. And that's yeah. a discussion to have with your Red Hat account team. So uh, so that, that, this is exactly what I said about the order things. I think yeah. if that Do, if if the if this information came out first and then this the the whole thing like I think the community would, I can say, I can't talk about other people. I can say about myself, it would make more sense. I knew what would happen yeah. and I'd be obviously like it, it, it makes more sense for, for like a company, like the company I work for. I can't speak for other people. Sure. Um, now, <clears throat> yeah, but, but I, I fully agree with you that if a company is running uh, like uh, the business a hundred percent, on on Santa on uh, like the a community build, they can take this community. They can also build this community build. They don't need and the the part that I didn't get from like the community is that they're saying like, oh, we're gonna pay this other company to to build X Linux that will be uh, like the replacement for CentOS. So it's like you're paying then just pay for the original product. Like I don't. It, yeah, well, that's just like revenge paying, I guess. I don't know. Right, right. And exactly. Yeah, I don't know. Now, but... does, Red Hat, does Red Hat sometimes act a little naive? And and was this, this, was this communicated poorly? I think what we tried to do is we had the best of intentions of trying to get information out. And it wasn't massaged and it wasn't done in a slick marketing way. And I think 
I, I think that didn't help. And, and um, I think I don't know if I'm saying that the way I want it to come out. But, yeah, I, I think we I think we thought we were explaining things and that the nerds would get all excited. But instead, what we really ended up the message a lot of people heard is we are taking away this free thing that you like. Right. And then everybody who hates IBM and thinks IBM is trying to destroy us, you know, latched onto that as a reason to, you know, to, to cause Ajita. And oh, IBM had so, nothing to do so, with this. So you confirm that it's IBM that did this. I see. Oh, <laughs> wait, see? wait, what? No. Yeah, confirmed here. <laughs> Just kidding. No, I think no. I, I also no, think so, a lot of the a lot of people got like misunderstood and started saying like, oh, so you're gonna use CentOS a uh, CentOS streams to be like a beta testers for. Like it, I think it just no, and, misunderstanding. And that's not the case. And yeah. I know it's and not the case. Yeah. I've had to explain this. Yeah, yeah. yeah I've, 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 I've I had to explain it, this to two customers already. That sent yeah. that streams is not now somehow a beta. It is still receiving I, production yeah. bits that would have gone to rel. They're just going to streams before they go to rel. But but this is just to reinforce what Mark said. Like the. There was no massaging. There was no like. Right. And, and, and yeah, it, I think the and, communication and people, could have been yeah, better. The, which I think shitty is what communication. <laughs> guilty as charged. Yeah. Yeah. So so the bits are that are going to go into rel go to streams first for a period they, of time but, before they go to rel. Yeah, but what you got to understand is they like go a through a period. You might say I wouldn't they, call it that. Except that it's it it goes it they it has to pass through the same QE gates that it would yeah. go through before it went to production. So this this is well, we're, here's what, but what we're is not data, doing. This is Jason. bits that would have gone to Rel if CentOS streams wasn't there, right? So it uh, is no, it's no, already no, tested I, all the I, normal I, QA I agree, and I'm, argue with that yes, all you want. The, I, no, the QA I'm isn't good enough. With it. What, no, I'm 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 speaking for the for the listeners, right? So, like just just put it put it this way, right? There is a process in which software goes through before it gets to RHEL, right? You know, it's got bug testing. It's it's sent to specific customers that are willing to test software it for It starts us. in Fedora as well, no? Not it's even... Sort of. So, well, right. <clears throat> some of it does. Some of it comes from Fedora first. But if it's a bug fix specific to a RHEL package, mm. it'll go, you know, into, you know, there'll be a bugzilla. There'll be work done on it. That gets released into what will then become a package for RHEL. And then usually the customers that asked for the fix will have a chance to test it. That's the beta. I'd yes, say that's the beta. What what you're <laughs> right? doing is adding you're adding an additional step, an additional yeah. additional not a gate, but you're adding an additional step and 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 arguably additional time. So what, what we're really doing is we're not we're we're taking stuff that would have been a dot release and just releasing it as it's ready from a quality perspective. Yes, and then eventually, when you have enough of that stuff for a dot release, then you do your dot release. Correct. Yes. Yeah. It just hits. It hits CentOS first. It's it's not a beta, a gamma. Okay, it's a gamma. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> right. There it's, you go. It's not. It's not released yet. Should you it's run it gamma. in production? Probably not. But it. it but it CentOS fits, wasn't. I think it fits. It wasn't I think it fits better. To... In the, I think it fits better in the in the in the. Uh, I'm sorry, I keep stepping on you, Avery. I it's think right. it fits better in the software lifecycle in the CentOS stream spot because it's slightly ahead of production, and your testing I... code is usually slightly ahead of production. Yeah, yeah, it's a decent spot to be in, and 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 you know, yes, yeah, CentOS. I don't know. I'd argue that CentOS could have been run in production because it was. I mean, it was a respin of. <laughs> and this is. 
production. This is the same thing I've said even to, to customers, right? CentOS, you could argue, was a more stable platform than RHEL before this change. Because everything uh, that came to RHEL, right, would then go to CentOS. So if there was a package that came to RHEL and a problem was noticed in it immediately, right, because it goes out to millions yeah. of customers, right, that may never have got to CentOS until it was fixed in RHEL and then got to CentOS. Yeah, the problem, of course, being that... Yeah, you uh, got security. patches, like, the, the, right. the stuff would trickle down slower, yeah. Right. But, but I mean, every... It, I mean, I've seen bugs that you're... That, you know, like, in, even if you do testing and you have, like, you, you have uh, pre-releases that you have custom, selected customers that get early, like, stuff is missed everywhere. There are yeah. bugs. Yeah, there are happens. security things that... They were like pseudo had a security vulnerability that like was there for yep. like God knows how many years. We're so... gonna talk about that later. Don't let's get out of bed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, I didn't see. I didn't see. But I'm. I, I was just saying like, software is gonna have bugs. So like saying it's it's gonna happen anyway. But people like it's still open source. Like at least it's that if people want to package it, they can. Like I'm too lazy to. <laughs> To compile it, so myself. I just want my free stuff, and then I'm upset that I don't get my free well, stuff on the, so yeah, the no, terms here, that I want. Here is here is where I I don't I look. It's it's it was a free ride for a while. It's great. It's gone. Yeah, I can complain about it. I really have no leg to stand on. Here's what I'm missing. Here's what I need. Um, so I have uh, there's a project that I work on. Um, yes, it is a commercial company. Um, and there are hundreds of devices that are deployed and we put a version of something on those devices. Um, CentOS was the intended new replacement um, that we were going to use, which we are not using anymore because, well, I'm not going to put streams on it. <laughs> um, but the, the the intention was to put that on there. These are devices that are not there. You have to, yes, they're servers, but they're not servers, right? So server to me is a, you know, it's in a data center. It's running big stuff. It's, you know, it's, it's intended for massive use. You know, it's not it's like an edge device. Are, it's an edge device. I, these are, these are, these are glorified raspberry Pis at the edge that I need okay. a, that I'm looking for a stable operating system. But I don't need I don't need everything. I need basically I need a, a kernel and I need a container, you know, Docker running on it is, is really all I need. Um and CentOS was perfect for that. Yeah. Uh and and I have been a red haired person for since I've been doing Linux. Um but CentOS is gone now. Fedora for me for this particular uh um project is too bleeding edge. It's not mm -hmm. stable enough. I am forced to find something now to use for that. And I, you know, I, like I said, I've been sticking to Red Hat, you know, Red Hat, whether it's CentOS or Fedora or Red Hat, you know, itself forever, because that's what I, I like. That's what I use. That's, that's been everything that I've been doing for years. Now I'm starting to be, have to look at, you know, other things. What else is out there? Debian, so Ubuntu. Why, so, so why not use, yeah. so so why did you say you don't want to use streams? Because you think it's too bleeding edge? 
Yeah, why not streams? That's my uh, question I, I, too. Because it's not a it's it's the way that it was it was sold is it that it's not a stable, you know, like there is going to be no CentOS 8. Now it's streams. Yeah. It's just yeah. going to get updated so, forever. The stream will still have a major version number. It'll be and, based on the it'll be based on the rel. It's CentOS and, streams and we, 8 now and it'll be CentOS stream 9 when we release rel <laughs> 9. It's still it's still it still is part of a major version. And regardless of if it's rail or streams or whatever else, you should do like a, if you release and like before you patch, you want to do like a stage rollout. You want to test, like of if course. you have your, like for example, we we package, we like we're a software company. So even if we like you know the latest rail we have to check that it's not going to break our software before yeah. you know like stuff like that yeah. so it's it, it doesn't it, matter it, it, if it's uh rail or stream or whatever like you still have to check that it's going like you do a stage rollout you tested before like what you yes. could yeah, yeah. what you could absolutely do here is and whether you're going to use something like Catello or satellite to do this or not is you can version lock the packages right you have a package set that you like that you have tested that you have deemed stable that's what you release to all your devices and, and then and, you and do maybe... you do that same QA testing every time you have a new package set Maybe so, this is maybe this is just the messaging. I mean, the messaging to me sounded like CentOS is no longer. I mean, it, the way that Red Hat sort of laid it out, it sounded like CentOS. You know, we're not going to release versions of CentOS anymore. It's going to be the streams thing, and it's not going to be usable as CentOS anymore. But I mean, even if it is the streams thing, right? It's still going to be usable. I mean, it, well, if, if we made it to the point where you can't use this anymore, it's not gonna it's not gonna benefit anybody. Fair enough. You know, so and then I'll, if I'll, nobody's I'll using it, then like there's no point keeping it alive anyway. Like this. right <laughs> now, don't even say that because there's going to be like, oh, that's oh, okay. the plan. <laughs> I don't think it's the You're plan. We want to kill it. The Red Hat guys said that. Yeah. So I mean, anyway, we have, we have so many like good technologies now with uh, with like BTRFS and and things and like stuff that does snapshotting and. I mean, and uh, what I like, by the way, you said like you're planning to use something like Docker, it it or containers make the OS less relevant than ever. Like, you can use oh, the rel. Totally the, you can use the rel UBI. We have the universal base image to build a rel a rel container from, and that's completely free <laughs> to use and redistribute with no restrictions at all. I would love a link to that because the last time I looked into the UBI. You had to have a rel. You had to have a relationship with Red Hat and a subscription to even get close to it, and and I have not looked at it since. So I'm gonna I'm gonna drop the uh, I'm gonna drop the uh, the current the link to it in uh, general in Discord. Okay. Discord. It's when we introduced it in May seventh of this Actually, year. Never heard of UBI. So thank you. Uh, so, so... May seventh, twenty nineteen was the was the blog that Scott wrote. And then okay. it's, it, it links you to it. I, I, to uh, be fair, I have not had a Red Hat um, uh, uh, salesperson or or whatever the yeah, hell it you is that works been for the involved company. In an official I have not, I have Red not Hat been involved Red officially Hat. with Red Hat in in since before 2019. But the last time I talked to them, which I think was actually 2018, um, when I talked to them at the time, the Red Hat base image was a pay for play. 
Now, the UBI was introduced in uh, 2019. Check out that blog by Sp Scott McCarty, who is a good guy. So anyway, this transitions well into the next article that I have. I think we've, we've really beaten this one to death. Um, <laughs> and that is, and again, call it whatever you want, but there's now a no-cost option for RHEL for up to 16 more fucking machines. More Red Hat? Yeah, more Red Hat. And can then we're we going to go on to other company? things. We can certainly talk about something else. Uh, I just wanted to sort of tack this on because it was mentioned in the article from the Register. Uh, that the and it's also mentioned that there could be more free content coming. Although there's really, I don't have any of that information. I don't know if you do, Mark. No, I like working at Red Hat. I'm not saying anything else. <laughs> right, that's mentioned in, in the Register's article. That's all I'm saying. I don't know. Uh, so at any rate, um, there are now no cost no cost options for production rel. I think it's up to 16 servers. Um, all you really need to do is register through the developer portal. Remember there was that developer program that came out, I don't know, like two years ago now, where you could use I, for development purposes RHEL for free. I actually have extends. a question. Uh, sure. What about, like, a lot of companies have, like, uh, like not for resale licenses or for, you know, home labs, for, like, people that, you know, want to does Red Hat have anything like that for like to get free licenses if you want to, let's say, you want to spin a Red Hat virtualization server or something outside, like so, not a business, but more on a uh, like personal learn the system kind of. So that's what yes, for. that's we've had that for years. Oh my god, that's the dev <laughs> subscription. That's three years old. That does can that, go to nursery school. But does now. it cost? Does do you have to pay for it, or is it? Free? No, that's free. The developer subscription is free. But does it cover things like Rev or just Rel? Uh just Rel. But you can run you can run KVM hosted VMs on that Rel instance. Yeah, yeah. So for for several years now, you can you can run Rel check for that, free. Check check the blog link that. That, that you put in the show okay. notes. Yes. Yeah. About so there, the, there's the mentions. It, in fact, if you, I think if you just go to the what is it, developer. We did such a shitty job communicating some of this stuff. Yes. Yeah. This has been around for a while. Um, I've even taken advantage of it before I was an employee because now obviously I can use all the rel I want. Ha -ha. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway. Oh, haha. -ha. <laughs> I stand up JBoss instances and destroy them just because I can. Just because you don't like JBoss, you just want to go. I just want to watch actually, it. Explode. I've never actually used JBoss in my life. Neither have I. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I have because it was it was the base of the Rev Manager for a while. Maybe it's still. Well, is. I didn't use yeah, it. Yeah, this stuff own, probably yeah. needs like better because it's like. Uh, for example, with Ubuntu, like it's really easy to go get like a server copy that's supposedly like you can play with and learn stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can but, do that. With, you've been able to do that with the RHEL developer sub for three years. Yeah, yeah that's been that's out. been around for, for a little free. While. But uh, and again, poor communication, right? So I knew yeah. about it because of because I was part of the accelerators and it was presented to us there. It'd be um, cool if there would like, be like a page somewhere that aggregates all these like cool stuff. That'd be, but yeah, be weird. Maybe we should start a podcast that talks about Red this stuff. Redhat.com slash cool stuff. Yeah. So, so give me um, the free stuff. So I, I pulled the UBI image and I have it running right now. And it's, it's, it's like 100 meg and it, it appears to be free. Yeah. It is free. It, there's no hidden trap. Yeah, it's, it's not. It's not appears to be. It well, is. So, it is. So Mark doesn't want like, to sell you anything. <laughs> what What is included? I mean, you know, there's there's things that that I'm I'm curious about. So if this is this is rel, like, 
what is included? I have the UBI repo. Does that mean I have access? I full access I'm to not the... a developer. I don't know. You got You got to poke at it. But the idea was with pe people would build containers using Ubuntu and we're like, let's give them a rel universal base image to build containers so the developers will use rel instead. Yes, please. Yeah. Yeah. The 800 meg uh, images that I get because somebody built on Ubuntu is, is killing yeah. me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If you need the full rel distro, you can, you can use the developer sub to get the full rel distro and build your, build your container images using the UBI. It looks like or UBI now you has access to like the well. whole distro. <laughs> Well, fantastic! You're yeah, welcome. That's that's what I'm looking at. That, that's, you've, yes, I will start using that. You've learned. You know something. how much money I just Good. made, Red Hat? None. Free Iron Sysadmin <laughs> Consulting <laughs> Services. <laughs> oh, but I want some mindshare. Yay! <laughs> yeah. That's like influence. Look, can, like influence. can I can I can I spend my influence to get a free room at your hotel now? I <laughs> absolutely. Am, I am on board with paying Red Hat for. I'm, well, I'm teasing and support with you right and everything now. else for established companies that can do that and and that, you know, and that's our know. that's our real customers. We're not yeah, we're not trying that, to nickel dime Joe who owns a little corner store. Sick, like the, the these these psychotic people who think we're gonna who think that we're trying to 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 force people who are using four or five cent OS boxes to pay for full rel. No, yeah, they're not I'm, they're I'm, not worth it. <laughs> So I'm the guy, and even still, that's like a couple hundred bucks a year, isn't it? Yeah. For, yeah. For I, don't, I don't know if you remember this, Nate, but I, I'm the guy who tore apart Cisco Mars. So back back in the day, Cisco had this this horrible, horrible sim product called Mars. I forget what it stood for, but it was it was it was disturbing. It was out there so, like Mars. Yeah, I, <laughs> I I I I sort of maybe tore it apart trying to figure out because it was broken and I I had to fix it. Um, and Cisco support and sucks. It spun <laughs> up and started, and it ran CentOS. And all I could think is, are you kidding me? We paid tens of thousands of dollars for this stupid thing to Cisco that makes billions and billions and billions of dollars, and they're not paying for a Red Hat license? What kind no, of bullshit is this? No, why would they? It's margin. I... And, and you know what? It's open source. I mean, this Raspberry Pi... I none of the software on here is paid for because the software like Ret RetroPie is open source. Yeah. Elevator action is that open source? Well, that that's later for an episode it's, later. That's another episode. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I I I don't disagree. You, I just I, you know when a company <laughs> gets to the point where they're they're big enough to be able to handle that stuff, they should be paying for the shit they use. Yeah. Yeah, paid for it's like the paid forward um, concept, but yeah. And, and Red Hat, sort of. you know, we 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 do an awful lot of good. I still believe that. And we support a lot of open source upstream projects with real money and real resources. The CentOS decision, you might disagree with it. Maybe we messaged it bad. But we're not suddenly the evilest company in the world because of it. That, that no, no, I that's don't Oracle. That. Yeah, we can certainly be more like Oracle if, every, if that's what everybody wants. Look at these screaming butthurt billionaires after the shenanigans of the past few days. <laughs> Look, I don't think you quite understand how many boats they own and how many boats they're going to have to sell now that they yeah. don't have this money. I'm I'm crying <laughs> many, many tears for them. Many tears. <laughs> so anyway, let's move into less treacherous waters for a change, and then we'll get back to treacherous waters. But uh, oh, for the dude, moment, it's like 10 o'clock. We've for the recorded moment, for two hours and 20, so we got to wrap this thing 
real soon, I think. Yeah, right? so this one's very simple, and I, I only included it because I think it's a, a feature that should have been included a very long time ago in Android. Long, long time ago. This is from 9to5Google, and apparently with Android 12, they're going to start including an actual in-depth theming system where you can actually, you know, do things like choose the color of the UI. Um, it seems simple, but it seems like something that should have existed forever, especially on a, on a platform <laughs> like Android, and I don't know why it didn't. So, Espe hey, it's coming. Especially when there are, like, third-party apps that do the same thing, yes. like Substream yeah. and all kinds of I, open source. Does anybody, does anybody else notice that Nate... Every every couple of episodes, he he needs to throw in some goofy Android thing like, uh, oh, there's going to be new emoticons. Yeah, well, know? that's you know, <laughs> I I saw I this have, article. I have a I, search I alert this... for Google, and I have another one for Android. And when I come across things that like this that are like so ridiculous that I just have to talk about them, I include them okay. in the show. So it's intentional. Okay. Yeah. I saw this article. I looked at this article. I sort of like tried to figure out what this article meant, and I went. It means you can I change the color never, on Android. I have never asked for this feature ever. I I I need it. I, Dude, I change think about everything. I think well, your operating like system, right? A hundred percent black, like your, like your heart, your UI like black on your on your 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 desktop, right? You have been yep. able to theme that forever. Dark mode. Right. You know Dark mode that? is a thing that has <laughs> not shown up on Android until about three or four years ago. What yeah. the hell? <laughs> when when I was a teenager and I thought I was cool, I would theme my operating system with different colors. Now, <laughs> you were a now I change my background, and that's about the end of it. Because yeah, the rest you're the of one that works. has like I'm a, the what? same. I'm the same freaking way, by the <laughs> I, way. I can't. I can't. If if, if it's not like fully pretty... dark, then it burns my eyes. Like right. This... If the app has shitty colors, <laughs> that's probably okay. indicative of other problems with the app, and I just ditched the app entirely. Is that Harper? No, no, it's not. That's the other one. <laughs> yeah. Stop! Get out! But, yeah. Come on out! Google is messing with uh -oh. with Android too much. There's <laughs> like it's they keep behind you, waiting with for an opportunity to yell into the microphone. I thought I heard an angry mother. <laughs> you should build. You nope. should build a home automation on air, like smart light. No, no. What I need is a magnetic lock on that door. You can do that, and every time, and and have it like so. So every time you go live, it automatically closes the door. No, I mean honestly, whatever, whatever. <laughs> I've got a family. Lock. If anyone's gonna get know, mad that they I'm barge in on the podcast, so be it. But uh, they, yeah, they're is... not listeners who want anyway. They're like those CentOS users that aren't giving yeah. back, or the ones who don't like your singing. <laughs> yeah. Hey, oh no, someone know. who's not paying us money is going to switch to another Linux distro where we won't get money. Whatever whenever, shall we do? Whenever I found a bug in CentOS, I immediately complained about Red Hat, so... Yeah. Mm. Yeah, As you so. should. You totally should. So we're going to go to the last one? Yeah, so the last one is, uh, maybe you've heard one. about this. There's this weird bug from like 10 years ago that still <laughs> exists in uh, this... Completely trivial and non-important program called sudo. What is that? Know. Are you guys familiar with is what that sudo the thing does? With, is that the thing when when you ask your Nobody. wife to make you a sandwich? Yeah, and that's the thing that, yes. that you can Nobody force things to make you a sandwich. Sudo. No, no, <laughs> nobody uses sudo. Sudo. Yeah, I mean, stupid. I don't know. Just, I grant, I grant privileges to, to my end users by just giving them root's password. I just Why log in as root. 
Like why would yeah? It's just another command you have to type every time. So the, I mean, I I find this really ironic. And by the way, this article's from ZDNet. Ten-year-old uh, pseudo bug lets Linux users gain root level access. Now I haven't dug deeply into exactly how to execute this flaw, uh, but it seems it seems really ironic to me that a bug in pseudo allows privilege escalation. <laughs> it's not the right, first one, by the way. There was one like. I don't know, like Sooner a year ago you had or something. One friggin' job. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. <laughs> well, yeah, a uh, certain the, enterprise vendor that I work for has already delivered patches for it. The, so, yes, one of my indeed. customers listening, update your damn suitor. Yes, update the, the your only, systems. The only thing I want to say, ask you guys about this <clears> is that, you know, like the there's there's this oh um. A lot of times people when people talk about open source they say like for example when this whole debacle with uh, solar winds happened it's like oh it's because they're not open source this and that and uh closed source and 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 then something like this happened where you you know it's full the code is open that everybody can look at it and you still find bugs like this the same conversation so, <clears throat> came came about around the time of uh, Heartbleed. You remember Heartbleed? Yeah, exactly. You know, where it's yeah. like, oh, oh, the open source model's supposed to be, everyone can see the code, so bugs like this shouldn't happen. And I don't know about pseudo, but in the case of Heartbleed, it was OpenSSL is being developed by, like, one guy, right? This Dude. thing <laughs> that everyone depends on. Everyone, everyone just, like, the whole freaking internet, the security and cryptography of the whole freaking goddamn internet depends on open ssl right mm -hmm. and there's like two guys working on this thing now that's not to well, say like there aren't the one other... guy who worked on ntp for years right so yeah. it's and it's 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 that's not to say there's no other contributors but the, the core project is operated by these two guys and you know and it's not a sexy project Little right. 14 year old Tommy who's trying to get into computers doesn't look is not going to be like I want to contribute to OpenSSL. No, right. he wants to like build a friggin' Minecraft server. Right. And, so I don't and, know what the state of the pseudo project is, but I got to imagine boring. it's similar. Yeah, let me right. let me put it this way. Yes, these were major 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 flaws that affected everybody and they had been there for a long time. These are not trivial. This is not a you know, a simple buffer overflow or, you know, like it is, it is. You mean it don't, won't do anything oh, if you just type absolutely. real fast like you're in a movie? They're not trivial like, you know, beginner programmers should be able to see this a million miles away. Like, these are pretty complicated bugs. Yes, it may be super easy to, to uh, 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 you know, use them. Um, I'm, I'm reading through the the pseudo one and it's it's basically like um the bug has to do with escape characters that are that are in a certain part of the string but if they're unescaped then they're escaped and then they're re-unescaped and then escaped to get like obviously Jesus. it's not it's are not i'm not saying it's i'm not saying it's easy but like the i'm saying like there's i think a lot of people have uh like this fake sense well i don't know if fake yes. but incorrect sense of security when they say like oh this issue with solar winds happened because they're closed source and then you know we also have uh, uh, you know problems and the fact that it's open source yes sometimes mean that like these problems are being found but also in some cases it means that 
like you can have something like this for 10 years and not be in file. So yeah, I, 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 I think I, the, the argument of closed versus open source, when it comes to a security perspective, I've always seen that as a very weak argument, right? So you can or have a bonus, major, like, uh, yeah, you, well, you, security you can have security doesn't work. You can have major vulnerabilities like this in any software project, right? And mm -hmm. while I obviously support the open model more than I support the closed model, I, I also feel like hiding your code behind, you know, the 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 compiler, right? is not a good way to get your I'm I'm just not wording this properly. Yeah, I, I, One could argue I, I, that by the way, very same. Yeah. By the way, I'm I'm like you know me, I'm like full open source, I'm all yeah. up for it. But I'm just saying like this I think in in this case and you used an example like Harbly is a very good example that people think that just because something is open source and people can see the code, it means it's more secure. And obviously it doesn't mean every software has bugs. Yeah. And there's a higher chance that somebody can look at the code and find the bug if it's open source. But it doesn't mean that like you're not going to have security problems because yeah, it, it's open it, source. It also doesn't mean that anybody actually is looking at the looking, code. Looking, exactly. That's true, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it's just a wonderful example of pride goeth before the fall because people get all high and mighty oh with open source there's you know it, it's these problems don't happen and then the universe says fuck you and then you fall on your face yeah. <laughs> so you know uh, what it comes down to is computers are hard yeah exactly. i always do that in the voice and computers are harder. hard <laughs> and and to jason's point you know this stuff is complicated it really really is so uh, how you know how did you even stumble into this bug right all you have to yeah, do right. is it's just, just a typo string into your console yeah but how'd you ever, how did someone figure that out you know yeah it's uh i don't know fuzzers or something i have no idea how yeah find that'll do things. it yeah like but i mean it's good that these that things would do are it? found fuzzers that, yeah i mean they they can i mean fuzzers basically throw garbage at the input Right. And see when and the computer crashes, and when it crashes, it like somebody goes and looks and see like, like try to... look, yeah, what crashed it now? Why, right? Yeah, yeah. But, but uh, you know, but now it's fixed. So but you know, indeed, that. it is yeah. indeed fixed. And um, obviously, with with uh, you know, we have like live pa kernel patching. Like there's a package like this is fairly trivial to patch. Like it's you don't. <laughs> Have live kernel patching. There's a thing that I have. This been isn't even about part. You don't need. This isn't even for part so of the kernel. Long and this is seen. just the pseudo patch. No, this is this one is not. But I'm saying if, yeah. it's, if no, it no, is yeah, like I, a kernel bug. So so I I, I, yeah, okay, I know I of saying. live kernel patching. I've seen it in action. I don't know of a single vendor that does it. Red Hat does it. I know. So yeah. I can get I can download an RPM or something to live kernel patch. For certain, for certain, yeah, for certain types, for yeah. certain patches, yeah, it's not, yeah. it's not every like single, not like everything, but yeah, yeah, and you have to reboot with it. You have to install the real thing and reboot within thirty days to still be supported. Yeah, it so only delays the inevitable reboot. So yeah. it's it's a supported thing. It's not it's not like an RPM that you get or that's in the. It no, does. They're the, delivered in the, the form of an RPM. Yeah. Yes, it but exactly not, is an RPM. But every single thing, we, every single kernel patch that we release is not necessarily a live AK patch. 
Right. Only certain right. ones are. Right. So like critical fixes and whatever can come as a K patch. You can install it. It'll fix you live. But in order to truly fix it and get the updated kernel, you need to install the you need kernel to reboot and reboot. The machine. Yeah. yeah. So. I mean, it'll when you install the K patch, it'll lay the new code down. But you have oh, yeah, to reboot yeah, yeah. the yeah, yeah. system. Yeah. Eventually. Yeah. No, I, I understand the I understand how it works and 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 everything behind it. I just haven't yeah. seen many companies like there was this there was a big i think it's that's because it, a number in of a, years ago in, but nobody ever really did anything with it in most in most use cases you can schedule a downtime and do the do the yeah, right thing exactly. because but very critical and, yeah and the and the time of well, oh this computer has an uptime of four years and that's something to be proud of now i laugh at people oh my uptime's two years oh so you've got that system's <laughs> riddled with security you've got holes, two years of security problems you haven't fixed yeah yeah. So now right. I judge you. And now with the uh, whole kernel, uh, sorry, uh, uh, pet versus cattle mentality, that it's even less right. relevant yep. than ever. Systems live for minutes yep. and die by design. Yep. 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 So. All right. So, so the, the pseudo thing, the pseudo thing is an issue. If you run Linux, you have this problem. Um, update. It is. It is a. Yes. It is update. A, yep. It is a, uh, a definite. Um, Part of an escalation chain, so just yes. because you think you don't have users, in fact, on I should update my Fedora machine do. right now. Indeed, I should update my laptop. Isn't it funny <laughs> that you have to type sudo to update to update sudo? Right, that is ironic. <laughs> Weird. Of course, the proper way to fix this is to uninstall sudo and only use the root account. Yeah, right. You wouldn't be vulnerable. Yeah, just log in as root all the time. <laughs> yes, you'd be vulnerable yes. if you didn't run sudo. Yeah. Oh, look, it updated my sudo package right there. There you go. So this has been a crazy evening, and we've run long, of course, as usual. <laughs> ah, we, who cares? we might be over two two hours and twenty minutes at this point, including the break that we took out. Who uh, the hell knows? It's who been who fun. knows? Who knows at this point? But it has been a good conversation on all points. Um, maybe one of these days we'll try to get the show down to a reasonable time. Maybe we won't. Eh, I don't know. We've <laughs> asked people like it like this. Abby, you're welcome any time, dude. It's Such yeah, a pleasure to have you. It's, it's, what time is it for you right now? By the way, over in Israel. Uh, I'll tell you in a He's second. like, I don't want to know. Then I'll feel tired. It's 5.13 oh in the morning. Gosh. But oh, my gosh. So and how old's your kid? It's uh, three. So you're not so actually going to sleep up. tonight. But I, you're not. Yeah. <laughs> I'm but sorry we a, kept you so late. It's okay. <laughs> but uh, luckily, you guys do it on Thursdays. And here in Israel, we don't work. Friday and Saturday. So, dude, I'm moving ah. to Israel. <laughs> so our, <laughs> the, our the Sabbath, right? Uh, yeah. So our Saturday, Sunday is Friday and Saturday. So it's kind of nice. Oh, that's cool. Um, just moved moved back a little bit. But, so you still uh, have a five day work week, something right. like that. Hmm. Good Shabbat. Is that yeah. how you say it? Yeah, good Shabbat. Or yeah. I, again, my wife and I love schnitzel. Yeah. I'm probably saying it wrong. Oh, too. it's the best thing, schnitzel. But good uh. Shabbat. Yeah, you guys, uh, I don't know, are always welcome after the pandemic and God knows what. But, yeah, uh, sure. I'm going to go to Israel. <laughs> One day, I'll, I'll definitely be flying we'll over. Make, we'll, oh, make, over uh, we'll make an Iron Sissid Men pilgrimage to Israel. Does that sound like a good idea? I, I can do it virtually. <laughs> the, the funny thing is, in, in like the, like, I, I haven't been to my office in, in, in like a year, but in the same like three blocks, <laughs> we have Microsoft. Apple, VMware, the company I work for, I think Red Hat is also in the same like area. It's like 
there you go. We'll visit the Red Hat offices yeah. there, and uh, we'll just make a make a trip of it. <laughs> any, any excuse, right? Any excuse. <laughs> yeah, All right. Come... So this has been a great show. I think we're going to go ahead and close it up. It has it's great great topics as always, and uh, great commentary for the news and whatnot. So um, the usual closing stuff. If you want to watch us live, you can do so on the second and fourth Thursday of every month on both YouTube and Twitch at this point. If you want to join our community, you can do so now via Discord. Disc, disc, discard. Dis, discard? <laughs> I'm gonna discord. Pr- pronounce it. I'm going to pronounce it in the worst ways possible just to bother Uncle Mark. Uh, it doesn't um, bother and, me now. And then I'm going to do this. Discord! Like... <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can find us on the social medias, Facebook and Twitter. Just look for the Iron System and Podcast. Um, and of course, if you want to support the show via Patreon, you can do so at patreon.com slash iron sysadmin. And with that, I think we've covered just about everything and we may as well, uh, call it a night. Anybody have some final words? Uh, I'll see you on the disc rods. The, uh... the disc rods. <laughs> the disc rods. <laughs> All right. All right. Good night, everybody. Bye. I gotta find the right scene to switch to. All right. See you. <laughs>